0: Who's gonna teach you how to dance? Who's gonna show you how to fly? Who's gonna
1: call you on the lame, dope, smoking, slacking little sucker you are?
2: never gonna work another day in my life welcome everybody to the wrestling 20 years ago podcast my name is rory mcnamara thank you for joining me for volume one for april 99 all the good it says here from the world wrestling federation for you the first of three volumes for april 1999 volume two is a good world championship wrestling show yes really good pay-per-view good matches and of course good presentation but you knew that volume three ECW with Mr. Chris Lacey, the king of extreme, but we are volume one starting our third century of shows. I think it is. And I've got Dan Welling here. Dan, hello. Hi, Roy. How are we we all doing? We're all very good. And not long out of bed in New York. It's Mr. Bob Colling. Bob, hello. Hello. And uh, I just want to point out that it probably is a good WCW show if I'm not talking about it. Your words, not mine. Bob, everybody, I should just say, Bob is somebody who thinks I only ever, and I quote, put him on the shitty shows. In two hours' time, we will come back and test how true that actually was. (laughs) (laughs) That little laugh there says it all. So, what has been happening in the World Wrestling Federation this month? Dan, break us down with some headlines, if you would, please, my good man.
3: It's a nice day for a black wedding.
2: Oh, as much as it can be. Yes, uh, throughout this month, The Undertaker has been fixing his eyes on the prize of one. Stephanie Marie McMahon and at the end of the Backlash pay-per-view which we will talk about in great length very shortly He finally managed to procure her the old-fashioned way by commandeering a limo and driving her to parts unknown The next day on Raw she turned up in a black dress She was put on what we must call the Undertaker symbol and she was about to be black wedding. Yes It's a verb right now until she was saved by none other than Mr Stone Cold Steve Austin ever the best pal of the McMahon's of course we took a long, long way to get there. We'll break it all down for you in painstaking detail a bit later on. I'd much rather not talk about it, but it is the lead storyline. Been attracting a lot of controversy, as you can well expect, for other reasons. And it looks like all of this is finally going to be heading to The Undertaker in a main event position, yet again. Going for the World Wrestling Federation title against Steve Austin, because, Dan? Mania at Backlash. There was indeed, where Steve Austin successfully defended the world wrestling federation title in providence rhode island defeating the rock for the second time in as many months in what in my view was a much better match and indeed a much better show than we had previously at wrestlemania once again all the usual hullabaloo this time shane mcmahon who is kind of in charge of the company now we'll talk about that shortly as crooked guest referee could not get it done because vince mcmahon whacked him in the face with the belt we'll fill in the gaps we will it might be like sticking a tube of adhesive into the Grand Canyon, but we'll do our best for you, ladies and gentlemen, and including a 17-minute Matt classic that I know that Bob can't wait to talk about between The Undertaker and Ken Shamrock. Mm. Smacking down on network television. Uh Yes, just two days after the pay-per-view, the WWF recorded a brand-new two-hour canonical storyline show by the name of SmackDown. You might remember last month in the news, we talked about this two-hour network show, which was originally... And this was the plan up until about two weeks before broadcast, mainly going to focus on the female competitors in the WWF. Uh, If you ask me, they were not featured any particularly more or less prominently and for the same or different reasons than they are every single week. So it was very much a storyline show with Vince McMahon helping Steve Austin again. Confused? You will be. We don't have the rating for it yet, but I will say that the WWF are very, very pleased with how this show turned out.
3: Uh, Off screen, Steve Austin involved in a hit-and-run incident.
2: Happened just outside an airport in uh, San Antonio, Texas. This is the news coming from the torch. As Austin was walking across the crosswalk with his baggage near the parking area, Uh, a driver ran a stop sign. When Austin saw the car driving about 20 miles an hour coming his way, he leaped onto the hood rather than be struck in the legs by the bumper. The driver slammed on the brakes and got out to check on Austin, who thankfully was okay other than a scrape on his knee. Austin began cussing out the driver, which I'm sure you're all surprised to hear that, and told him to pull his car to the side of the road since they were now blocking traffic. Uh, When the driver got back in his car, he sped off rather than face the wrath of Austin. Apparently, the driver gave indications he recognised Austin, but who doesn't these days? As Wade Keller rightly puts it here, whether he knew of him or not, imagine the intimidation factor of an angry Steve Austin. Austin got the license number of the driver and has filed the report with the police. It should be said during his match at Backlash, Austin sustained another injury to both his arm and hand. He was able to work both the live Raw and the SmackDown taping. But what with this and his constant, constant neck problems, which have no sign of going away, you do wonder how much longer he can keep on going on like this.
3: And in the spirit of the season, roster spring cleaning.
2: Yes, in the week after WrestleMania, a lot of Deadwood was cleared. I shall give you the list of the names now. A couple of surprising ones here, really. Golga has gone. Poor old John Tenter. The LOD are no more. Public Enemy are on the outs, as they're always going to be. Gilberg has gone. Sorry, Dan. And a couple of other interesting names as well. Blue Meanie has actually been fired, but apparently he keeps on showing up anyway, and nobody has the heart to tell him he doesn't have a job. True story. And perhaps surprisingly, guys, I want to get your opinions on this one before we go on. Steve Williams has been released. Now, when he first came in in the summer of last year, he was earmarked as having a main event program with Mr. Steve Austin. That has not happened. Of course, his stock has never been the same since he was legitimately knocked out by Bart Gunn during the Brawl for All. It still looked as though they had plans for him by pairing him with JR last month, but that angle has now been completely dropped. JR is now a good old babyface again. And Bob Steve Williams has gone. It's um. This all seems a bit pointless, really, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. What did he really even accomplish? But he was he was off he was off screen after the brawl for all for ages. Then he came back. I think he interrupted during a hardcore match at the end of February. Uh, paired with Jr. seems to be going somewhere, and uh, he's gone again. Yeah, I mean, I call from you know six months ago. He was earmarked for having two pay per view main events with Steve Austin. Right, and then I mean, I'm just.
0: All all those guys that you've named, um, I'm not going to miss them at all. And t- I mean, Steve Williams, for me, it's probably been about like seven years since I've even cared about anything that he's done in America, at least. So, uh, and I think it's hilarious that the Blue Meanie continues to show up, despite not having a job and no one wants to tell him. So, if I ever get fired, if I ever get fired from wrestling twenty years ago. I will just continue to show up onto our recording
2: and then I'll never be fired. So this is great. Uh, there you go. All my plans. Dan, while I formulate a plan B, talk about those roster uh, roster cuts.
3: <laughs> uh, well, Gilbert aside, none of them are going to be missed really for my end either. I mean, LOD, thank god
2: that's taken far too long oh jesus (laughs) but how how long were we
3: banging the drum for them to be cold and now they finally done it so thank goodness it only took them to have a career suicide literally to have to do it um very good (laughs) steve again i know you're probably more into steve williams than i am but i i literally haven't seen any of him apart from him in two brawl four matches um and he again if you think about the amount of new people that watch wrestling nowadays, compared to the early nineties in particular in WCW say, and all they see of Steve Williams is what I've seen. Then again, they haven't got any kind of positive information about him at all. This is the problem when you do shoot fighting tournaments is that if the plan goes awry, it's, it's gone awry. There's no way back. And um, especially if a guy is meant to come in as a tough man and he's getting knocked out by a guy that you didn't push for the next, the next seven months you've got he's got nowhere to go so yeah i, I i'm not again i'm not going to lose sleep over him losing it and but i'm sure there's one or two old school wrestling people that may be a bit disappointed but i'm not i'm not
2: too worried either so back by popular demand and catching us up from all the way to february to april here are the head-to-head ratings between raw and nitro i'm sure the listener i do not need to tell you the leading numbers in all of these so beginning on the 1st of february Raw polling a 5.9 to a 4.7. February 15th, 5.9 to 3.9. Wow. 5.5 to 4.8 rounds out February. And then into WrestleMania month, it's a 6.3 against a 4.3, a 6.4 against a 4.4, 5.8 beating 4.3, 6.4 beating 4, 6.5 against a 3.5 coming out of Mania. My God. And this month, we have all the ratings for you, 5.8 to 4.3, 6.3 to 4.4, 6.1 to 4.1, and 6 to 3.9. As the world's preeminent big game hunter, I have amassed an impressive collection of animals. I got
1: this while on safari in the Congo. No sweat. This last one was the toughest of them all. I made the mistake of approaching him as he was feeding. The zesty, hearty goodness of Chef Boyardi' overstuffed beef ravioli is worth protecting. Mmm!
2: The video package opens us up in Long Island of Vince opining about Undertaker going after Stephanie. He promises us somebody is going to get hurt, but he's damned if it will be his daughter. Tag team title match open things up, X-Pac and Kane versus Owen and Jarrett. Pac is trying to befriend the big fella, and in the end it looks like it works. After some very good action Kane cleans house and goes to chokeslam Pac, but then throws him on top of Double J for the win and the titles. Vince doesn't give a damn about Raw tonight, he is only out to protect Stephanie. Most worryingly of all, he says that read Big Show, he could care less about him. That's bad. Very, very bad. It couldn't care less. Corporation are out now without Vince. Shane gloats about their beating on Austin last week. He has a surprise for Big Show as he puts him against Rock and Triple H in a handicap match. Rock would check the show into the Smackdown Hotel, but he's worried he'd break the toilet seat. And then fails to get the crowd to not sing along with The Rock. Shane then puts a still shot of a stolen Smoking Skull strap on the screen. Super. Backstage Vince tells him to calm down. Ivory gets her revenge on PMS by ripping off Terry's top, but Undertaker and Ministry stop the fun to outrageous heat. He has a secret for Vince. Tonight there will be a sacrifice of a certain beautiful young woman and there's nothing he can do about it. DKM begs for more security. i faces Holly in a non-title, non-hardcore match because reasons. He wins clean with a snowplough but then Dr Death attacks both men. Christian is flogged backstage by The Undertaker and then the other two brood members cheerily head to the ring to face the Outlaws. Christian staggers down to help, then gets thrown inside, famously and pinned for a three. Sean must have taken the WWF rulebook away with him. Brief interview with Austin backstage, he tells Shane it will cost the McMahons a lot of money if he puts that picture of the belt back on the titantron. Ken vs Viscera ends with the lights going down, the Ministry beat on Shamrock and then dump him in a car and drive him off. Shane tells the corporation not to react, as it's a trap. Mankind vs Val is an odd one next, but the hometown hero gets a great pop, and he has two words for us. Mmm, beefy. Socko gets this one done. The lights dim backstage and then we go to Godfurther vs Goldust for the IC title. It's a double countout. Yep, that was weak. And then it goes dark in Vince's locker room. We then go back to the arena, and the Ministry have someone, and they tie her to the Undertaker's symbol. It's not Stephanie yet, but Ryan Shamrock. Undertaker speaks in tongues as she gets raised on the crop, on the symbol, the symbol. After all that, it's Rock Triple H versus Big Show. It doesn't go long before China is in for the DQ. It's 4 one until Austin runs down and raises hell. Shane scarpers and puts the belt pick on the Titantron again but Stone Cold enlists Show's help to bring it down to the ground and then rips the screen. After all the Shane, Vince and Steph stuff, the 12th of April 1999 Raw starts proper otherwise with Tori, Jackie and Ivory getting destroyed by Nicole Bass under the guise of a four-way match, also including Champion Sable. Taker is on the new Titantron. It's just a matter of time until Steph is his, but tonight another innocent victim will be sacrificed. Here's Austin, he doesn't have much to say this time, aside from Shane had better be a fair referee at Backlash, if not he will beat his ass, like the sorry SOB he is. He wants his skull belt now, but The Rock is on a bridge with it. Ah, that takes me back. He won't throw the belt off the bridge though, he wants Austin to come and find him. Christian has to prove his word to take her, and does so by getting demolished by Big Show. Cole talks to mankind in the boiler room, he will invite Show into the room in two weeks and they can settle their differences accordingly. The posse then come a cropper in the Boiler Room. Billy Gunn and Val Venus in the battle of the Shoah offers. Half decent stuff here really until Owen and Jarrett interfere. Deborah then makes eyes and other things at Val before she gets dragged off. The former champs then take on the Acolytes and there go the lights again. Now Deborah herself gets undertaken until Hero of the Day Shamrock shows up with a baseball bat. But if he hits him, he will never see Ryan again. She's in the Boiler Room anyway. Bossman chooses the hose over an IC title shot, so it's Godfather vs Goldie again and he wins it this time with a DVD. Ryan is indeed in the boiler room, but what was that noise? Yep, the Ministry are here and they destroy both Ken and Mankind and Shamrock gets carted off. D-Lo goes for the Hardcore title vs Holly, Brown hits table with a frog splash and Bob wins and Al Snow is very happy with this. Taker gets preoccupied with punishing Christian. Edge and Gangrel brawl with the Ministry, Mankind helps out and Shamrock frees himself. Kane and Pack defend versus Triple H and Test. Helmsley doesn't fancy this one and he walks off leaving Test to get tombstoned and the champs retain. Now we're back to the bridge and just like 16 months ago the beeper says 316. And then back to the ring, Shamrock calls Take and Mark yeah yeah yeah. That breach of Kayfabe is enough to bring the mean one out. Shamrock gets some shots in but the Ministry do their stuff and then the corporation duff him up as Shane gloats. Gonna finish up with Austin turning up on the bridge and after a brief skirmish Rock punches him into the river then slings the belt in after him. Oh, that's nice of him. We kick off the go home raw with a hearse. It's the Rock and he is here to give Austin his funeral. Last week he buried his title and his career and tonight he buries his dead monkey ass. And he has indeed dug a grave for the occasion. More on this story later. Road Dog vs Owen starts us off in ring. If Owen wins, his tag team become number one contenders. If Road Dog wins, Deborah's at ringside, so you know what the stipulation is there. And of course, Dog wins far too easily with a pump handle slam. Deborah seems somewhat keen to play along, but Jarrett puts a stop to it. I could like to V The Brood is next. Shamrock and his bat, though, are more than enough to draw a line under this one. Godfather vs Holly for the IC title, degenerates into a hardcore match, Goldust and Snow get involved and Godfather covers for the win. Shamrock, now without the bat, takes on Bossman. Ken wins with the belly to belly but the lights go out immediately. It's getting late, do you know where your sister is, says the Undertaker, and he does, room number 223. The posse are here and they join us for commentary for Mankind Triple H. Solid action here until China gets the honour of causing the lame DQ. The rest of the corporation more Mick afterwards until Big Show makes the save. Mankind appreciates it, but they still have a date with Destiny in the boiler room. Here's the other side of the earlier equation, Billy Gunn vs Jarrett. Billy goes for a pin but Deborah brings the goods. Owen cuts off a three count two and then once more she gets headed off at the pass, so to speak. Big Show vs Viscera, there aren't enough stars in the sky. Taker stops proceedings, so yay I guess. They go to chokeslam each other, but when Mankind comes out Taker disappears, so Big Vis Gets the beating. Cole sits down with Vince and Steph. They've tried to play this off as some sort of true stories type thing, but it really doesn't work. Nobody's convinced by it, especially not when Vince is told there is someone in the parking lot. It turns out to be Midian, who Vince then tries to run over. Val has solved the Y2K problem. Extra bits of RAM, hard drive, you get it. Then, Sable is here. Her second edition of Playboy is on the way soon. Ivory then just beats her up as do Val and her chaperone D'Lo. The nickel Bass does her stuff. Rock closes us out with his eulogy. Life's eternal question will finally be answered. Will Austin's Rudy Poo candy ass fit in that damn casket? We will find out on Sunday but for now it is time to bury the belt. You know, the one he threw off the bridge last week. The Brahma Bull will spear his horns but now Austin turns up in a 316 monster truck and he steals the Rock's new Lincoln so he can run over it with said truck. Ah, now I gotcha. The hearse gets the same treatment, and after the big old brawl, Rock gets knocked into the grave and we are out with a beer bash. Or we would be if Shane didn't get involved and hit Austin from behind with a shovel.
4: I've got it. You're on some sort of power trip. Is that it Shane? I'm on a power trip? That brings me to a great point. Matter of fact, the whole point where is your power dad where is your power trip where is the vince mcmahon that we all know where is the most ruthless human being to ever walk the planet you always taught me hey climb over everybody it doesn't matter because you're climbing that ladder and you're never coming down do anything at all cost to get ahead in this world dad where are the balls the size of grapefruits that's what i want to know oh Oh, I'm still the same man, and then some. It's just that I do have my priorities straight, and right now, my priority is simply your sister, my daughter's welfare. I'm gonna take Stephanie
1: and go home.
4: Here you go. Oh, I'm not, hey, hey, I'm not done talking to you. Hey, I'm not done talking to you yet. Uh-oh. What do you think
5: you are? Easy now.
4: Let me tell you something. This power trip you're on. If you want true power, you have to earn it, and you have to earn it with respect.
5: Respect this. Oh, what the god! What the boy has slapped his own father. Oh my god. This is horrendous. I can't believe it. Vince is walking away.
4: Whoa, 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 where are you going? Are you going home with your precious daughter? Daddy's little girl? That's it. Tuck your tail between your legs, and get it to the back, and go home. Go ahead. Oh, you know what? Hey, you're not my father anymore.
5: Oh, come on, Shane. That's your dad. That's right, dad.
4: You're not my father. You're not my dad anymore. Matter of fact, you're not even Mr. McMahon to me anymore. You have not my respect. You are simply known from now on
1: as Vince.
2: Okay, so you will have heard the first couple of weeks of Raw television there, plus a Shane McMahon promo cut at the beginning of the 12th of April 1999 Raw, which we will talk about now before taking you into the pay-per-view. So let me break it down for you. At the beginning of the show, Vince and Stephanie McMahon are surrounded by Detroit's finest. He invites her to just enjoy the show. But then shane and the corporation come out to the ring to start us off proper he gives specific props to rodney and pete gas and as well he might but ken shamrock is not happy he wants to know where the corporation were during all the abductions last week shane being the street kid that he is feels his pain and then he asks stephanie to come down she does but vince and the cops are in tow stephanie here comes across like a giddy naive schoolgirl which Throws everything else later on in the month into even sharper relief, but never mind. BKM himself suspects a publicity stunt, but his son tells him that his priorities have been well out of whack recently. Dad only appears concerned with Stephanie, and with the power now vested in Shane, someone is getting fired tonight, and that someone is Risco and Patterson. Well, they're basically one person anyway. Vin suspects that Shane is on a power trip. Vinny, though, is going to make no apology for his recent actions. He just wants to take his daughter and go home because shane needs to learn respect but the young mcmahon just tells him respect this and slaps him right across the face as vince walks off he is told he is no longer dad to shane he is no longer even mr mcmahon he is just simply vince in a show of unity shamrock actually follows vince back up the aisle but at the moment it is shane himself who appears in charge uh, Dan, I'll come to you first. This is how Shane assumed the reigns, at least for the next few weeks. He's done a very good job of it too.
3: Really, really good promo, in my opinion. Um, the guy's always had shots on the microphone, even when he first debuted as the kind of rebellious son back in November. But this was a real positive step in the right direction for him as a character. Um, and in kayfabe land, it kind of makes sense. Like, he's always had that, again, as I said, the rebellious side to him, against Vince and all it's taken for him is for her little to taste of power to, to take hold and fester around the McMahon black hearts. That's probably hereditary. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, it's a, a really strong outing for him. It's like, you know, getting rid of the Patterson and Briscoe streamlining the corporation. I, I thought it was really good and a really good, like from a purely technical perspective, a really good overhand slap with the kind of dip, a dip of the knees and the slap at the same time—it's really, really good stuff. Uh, I, I enjoyed
2: it. Somebody was watching closely, and rightly so. See, that, that's the thing. only on the podcast that you get slap etiquette. No, nowhere else, and you know, we are on a field of our own. Bob, what did you think of this? And Shane taking the reins as a heel at the moment. I mean, I don't mind it. I just I
0: think it's kind of a, a weird angle that Shane is kind of jealous of his sister getting the attention because she keeps on getting abducted nor do i understand why they keep on bringing her to the arenas where the person that's trying to abduct her that is makes mad. little sense i admit yeah so why do we keep on bringing her to that environment i mean vince is not going to win father of the year ever
1: so you like it this way
2: indubitably around the house i never lift a finger as a
5: husband and father, I'm subpar. I'd rather drink a beer
2: than with Father of the Year. I'm happy with things the way they are.
0: Uh, no, but the Shane Shane doing you know his promo work really through the month uh, was better than I was expecting because I'm kind of used to his over the top awful Sunday Night Heat uh, commentary. That's like my greatest memory of him um or the most time that i've heard him talk but i think shane has definitely potential i mean dating back to his stuff with x-pac and and whatnot so um yeah i mean i'm fine with with shane leading the charge even if there's a lot of plot holes that maybe take me
2: out of it a little bit uh, yeah, so we tie everything into the abduction stuff a bit later on. We will do our best to try and fill them. But as I said earlier, that might be might be a bit of a thankless task. Yeah, I thought this was a great promo. I thought Shane's delivery was spot on during this. And I do like the idea of Vince taking a bit of a back seat, at least for now. I wouldn't go as far to say I was getting tired of Vince in the heel authority figure role because he's just so freaking good at it. But I don't even think he would be free from the law of diminishing returns. And even if Shane is effectively playing the same character Vince was a year ago, it is a different perspective, In fact, he does come across as sort of bad Vince jr. At least for now, I don't think that's a problem. If we're still here in six months and he is still basically doing exactly the same thing Vince did. And that only gets settled at next year's WrestleMania. Then as we go along, I might have cause to change my opinion, but right now I am absolutely digging this. His heel work is great, and he really does – I was going to say he exudes authority, which somebody who's – you know he's 29 years old. He is in a storyline, and indeed in real life to some accounts. He is actually a little bit of a punk, but I do get the impression that, at least for now, the corporation and the other team, who we'll talk about a bit later on when they join forces, it takes the heat off Vince for just a little bit as he's doing other stuff. Shane is handling the reins very nicely. Will I get tired of him? Perhaps it took me it took me two sentences to get tired of him on Sunday night heat. Wham, wham, wham. But uh, I've got a bit more, I'm giving him a bit more leeway here, off to, in my opinion, a very strong start. Which includes him being the guest referee for the main event of our pay-per-view this month, which Bob is backlash. If you could give us the results, please, my friend. Sure thing.
0: The Ministry of Darkness, which consisted of Bradshaw, Farouk, and Midian, defeated the brood, which would be Christian Edge and Gang Grel. Al Snow won the WWF Hardcore Championship from Hardcore Holly. WWF Intercontinental Champion, The Godfather, defeated Goldust. The New Age Outlaws became the number one contenders to the WWF World Tag Team Championships by defeating Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. Mankind defeated Big Show in a Boiler Room Brawl. Triple H defeated X-Pac. The Undertaker defeated Ken Shamrock and WWF world champion stone cold steve austin defeated the rock in a no holds barred match which featured shane mcmahon as a special guest referee
2: Damn, your opening thoughts on backlash 1999 i think this is one of those shows where if
3: you peeled back the, the curtain a bit it probably wouldn't stack up as much as it does when you come off the show but my immediate thoughts on this was that it was one of the best WWF shows we've had in a little while
2: Opening thoughts, Bob. <laughs> Don't be shy. Uh,
0: man, I miss WCW. I mean, this, <laughs> to me, this, the card, just looking at it, I tried really hard to find interest in it. And uh, the idea of like Xbox gets Triple H, I was, I was like, okay, I can I can maybe get by that. Xbox is pretty, you know, I've always enjoyed them. Uh. Potential there of maybe having a breakout match elevate himself But then like Undertaker Shamrock like what the hell? I mean, I I don't even I never knew I wanted to see that and but I don't so That was a bummer. I mean, I'll I'll get into it more uh, in-depthly per match here, but uh, I I wasn't um, Overly excited about uh, watching this
2: This was a strange show in my opinion As so often when we go through these pay-per-views match by match, I often drop my originally planned mark by one or two. I can see myself again doing that here. But the point I'm trying to come to, and I'm not sure I'm bringing it across well, but I'll do my best, is that this show was just so weird. It was oddly paced. I didn't think the crowd were particularly into it, which was a major worry. and yet. I enjoyed it a whole lot more than I did WrestleMania. Now, the fact that WrestleMania was terrible kind of makes that a (laughs) bit of a wash, understandably. But I think it was because the WWF, and maybe even me as a viewer, were coming into this one as it was a kind of WrestleMania redux, albeit with the pressure off. And for all its flaws, and there were lots in this show, don't get me wrong, I think I'm willing to be a bit more forgiving of it than I would have been Maybe even for another B show, let alone if this has been presented as one of the A pay-per-views. And we'll see if I still hold that view in about an hour's time. But for now, a cautious thumbs up. But I reserve the right to change my opinion as head of this particular podcast. So let's see what we've got. Backlash. One thing I will say, Backlash for the first pay-per-view coming out of WrestleMania, great name. That's worth a point on its own. We begin with another what is undeniably magnificent video package because it plays up the similarities between the rock and steve austin more on those later on in the show they are both two warriors of courage and distinction jim ross yes he's fully back now welcomes us to providence rhode island and having him back with king feels like a warm embrace as opposed to the kick in the balls we've endured since december oh my so our opening match is the brood who are now no longer affiliated with the ministry versus Midian and the Acolytes. Midian and Christian start out by crawling on the floor until Dennis Knight unwisely stands up and starts to try and work. Spinning a heel by Christian, then he keeps Midian down via an armbar. Gangrel Gangrel in, and he twists the arm a bit. Oh, well, that's fine. Bradshaw no-sells in the way he seems to get free reign to do, and then hammers away, and the crowd are already out. Leaping back elbow by Gangrel, but he gets caught into a fallaway slam. Drop toe hold holds him up, though, then he and Edge do a spot of double teaming. This includes a drop kick into a crucifix to score a two on Farouk. Edge steps to Ron, and you don't do that, and pays with a spine buster. Vertical suplex by Midian for a two. Sunset flip by Edge, but the rep is tied up, so Bradshaw breaks it up. He goes for a pin when he's the legal man, but Edge is right by the ropes. Diving head, not as good as it sounds, by Ron for a two. Midian sucks chant, soundtracks an entire inside cradle near four. Dull chinlock ends with a jaw jacker, but Edge cannot get the tag. Dire offense by Knight until Edge gets a desperation spear and then the hot tag to Christian. Big reverse DDT for two and now all six men are in. Double cross body by and C. Then a swinging DDT on Bradshaw for a close two. Ten punch attempt in the corner, but Bradshaw blocks that with a big powerbomb. Then Edge with a missile dropkick and another close near four. Viscera then shows up and takes down Christian and the clothesline from hell gets the win for the ministry Bob Yes, Rory your thoughts on this opener if you have, okay, yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: I was mostly bored by this to be honest with you Um, (laughs) Like you mentioned earlier like you you didn't feel like the crowd was overly interested in, in most of the show and it was evident from the jump here I don't know what they're thinking here. The, the brood got kicked out of the group because Christian's a snitch because he was getting his ankle broken by Ken Shamrock. That's the only reason why they got kicked out of the group. They tried to, they were part of a group that tried to abduct Stephanie, who I presuming is playing a babyface role. So you can't really sympathize with the brood because they're the only reason why they got kicked out was because they're idiots. They don't know how to keep a secret. So that makes no, I can't get invested in that. Um, I, the only only part of this that I was interested in was really Bradshaw. It, it seemed like the, a lot of the focus was on him uh, for this match. And I, I've always kind of liked Bradshaw, so I can I can deal with that attempt. But this goes like over 11 minutes or something like that. Only 11 and a half minutes. It just was excessive. I didn't really think it needed to go that long. And the visual of the uh, viscera running down and splashing Christian from behind if you want to talk about one of the most awkward looking spots for the year, maybe even for the decade, you just go back and watch Viscera try to deliver a running splash to Christian from behind. It'd be like you're watching an episode of Oz at this point. Like that was just, that was just weird. So um, I don't know. This was not a match. I would start off. This, this could have been a filler match between the kind of a few of the bigger matches later on in the show and it probably would have suited off well. But this isn't something that got me excited for anything else on the show.
2: Dan, what do we think?
3: Oh, I feel this is gonna be like no way out of Texas all over again. Uh I thought this was actually quite a decent opener. <laughs> um which is benefited by hindsight after the show because these this crowd is shit throughout the entire yeah. night. I'm gonna say bad it's right i'm gonna get into this later on but they like this was probably the only match i think apart from the main event that they actually cared about by the by the end of the night by the end of the match sorry they were you know cheering close near falls they were upset when they when the brood lost and that's a big plus point for particularly edge and christian and how they got the match you know into but never gear with their high offense i mean Gangrel is just there, and Midian is, is one of the guys I easily would have put alongside Golga and the LOD to be cold. I mean, fucking shit, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, as Bob said, Bradshaw, I think, this is probably a, a little mini showcase for him. He seems to be the objective high point of the whole ministry angle. Like Every single time he comes out, he does seem to be getting himself into a position which is higher up the card and you could easily see him upper, in the upper mid card with his Hoss stiffness um but uh, for me i thought this was decent i wouldn't go as far as say it's good but for an open eye th- again i've seen a lot worse and three or maybe four of the participants in this match i think i've got a lot more to give so i was pretty i'll give it a tentative thumbs up
2: I should say, listeners, Dan's reference there to the No Way Out of Texas show. That was the beginning of the Welling-Landstrom Wars, which have shown no signs of abating in the last 14 months. (laughs) But Bob, Bob, you're here by proxy to lock horns with Dan throughout this show, and I shall just be the innocent bystander, and I'm sitting on the fence, as I so often do, because I thought this match was kind of okay, to be perfectly honest with you. No more, but no less. I agree it was a rather questionable choice for an opener, because the Brood... Aren't really faces yet, and nobody wants to cheer anything that Midian is involved in these days anyway, which might explain why the crowd were quite quiet, but they didn't pick up again until the main event for the rest of the night. So I don't really want to give them a pass. I thought this was in fairness, they did chant Midian sucks for a good two minutes. So
3: that's one plus point.
2: I'll give that, but that's that's fish in a barrel. You know, he carries his eye in a jar, that's fish in a barrel stuff chanting Midian sucks. that's one plus one equals two and all that i think you're right to play up the focus on bradshaw i feel like they do this every few months where bradshaw seems to be getting some sort of mini push and then they pull it back again so i don't know how much longer this particular one's going to carry on he did seem to be the focal point of this match and he got the win and was doing a lot of other big moves throughout as well got to no sell a lot of offense so whether he whether he was permitted to do that or not, I don't know, but he looked like the strong man here. I think it's just as well that Farouk is paired with him because he does not look in any great shape right now. Ron Simmons, somebody I was a fan of many years ago, but uh, the magic has gone. This was a solid enough open. There was nothing really wrong with it apart from Midian really getting involved. It's just one of those where there was no real investment and there was no real point to it because, as Bob says, the only reason the Brood aren't affiliated with the ministry anymore is because. Like they snitched somebody out, and that's nah, that is not grounds for a pro wrestling angle, especially now where storytelling is so nuanced and rich. It's just not enough. As a match, it was fine, but uh, what it did to the crowd starts a malaise which shows no sign of abating for a good two hours or so. But the Rock is here, dragging the Smoking Skull Belt along the ground as we come to our second match, the Hardcore Championship on the line. Bob Holly defending against Al Snow. Uh, Jim Ross calls Al a 16-year veteran. I think that's one for fact-check. Match starts with a belt shot and a cover attempt. that's, That's novel. We get the international in this match, and it's Holly who gets tossed. Hard shot to the steps by Hardcore, then he reaches under the ring for a jug of water. Clearly plastic, but never mind. I should know that Al is already bleeding at this point. Into the crowd, which at least gives the attendees something to get their teeth into. Not literally, thankfully. As soon as I say that, JR exclaims these two literally beat the heck out of each other. I'm not sure how that would work. Nice moonsault off the rail by Al for a two count on the outside, because of course this is hardcore rules, false counts anywhere. And for the second month in a row, here's the hockey stick. Snow just pelts Bob with it in the arm for a good long time, and but a table then follows. But then Holly responds with some stick shots before JR can reminisce too long about high school. King very reasonably asked why there are cooking utensils under the ring, a snowblast Holly with a baking tray. Suplex on the concrete gets Holly, a two count, and now we're going to the back. Holly actually reaches for the kitchen sink. Uh, we saw that two years ago, but snow blocks and a damn thing smashes on the floor. Hey, they ain't cheap. They head out to the parking lot and send each other into a few cars. Snow with a broom and they wander towards the dumpsters. They ascend some nearby steps and Holly pushes Snow right into the bags of garbage. He follows with a splash for two. And yes, Mike Kyoto actually counted onto one of the bags and ripped it open. Now we are off to the TV truck. Apparently this is the audio one. but hardcore gets thrown out of it onto a car. Another splash by Snow gets a two. JR wonders aloud if that was Howard Howard Finkel's car, just as it was back in 1993. More near falls in the back. And I think they've exhausted all possibilities here. We are indeed in the ring where Al just matter-of-factly biffs Bob with a pan. He measures hardcore onto the table and goes up. Holly gets off, though, and there's a pan shot of his own. And from there, he can superplex Al through the table. Youch! Bob drapes the arm for two. Snow gingerly reaches the head and he hits Holly with it and wins and becomes the champion. Dan.
3: Uh, Again, I'm probably in the audience of one here, but I like this match. Um, It's probably the best hardcore wf style match they've had since they introduced this entire division because it felt like they actually had spots planned when they went into the back and the parking lot and that sort of stuff rather than just punching and kicking like you know the the bob getting pip tossed onto a car was pretty cool the superplex lengthways through the table looked sore as fuck, and yeah i i didn't i i liked it i thought it was pretty chaotic but in a good way and it didn't feel as plodding as the matches in February and particularly last month where it was just garbage Um uh, yeah I, I liked it that may be again the only opinion in the show that's controversial for me but yeah I liked it
2: and here we have literal garbage
0: go on Bob do yep. your stuff <laughs> uh, you're not referencing me as the garbage. We're referencing the match in which they used the garbage. Oh, of course. Okay, great. Uh, I, it, it was enjoyable for what it is. You know, it's a hardcore match. I mean, it's very hard to make those not fun to watch. But, you know, th- this kind of brings us into the context of why the crowd is probably out of this show because you get a lackluster six man, realistically. And then this match, really, the enjoyable stuff happens and they can't even see it or they have yeah. to watch it on a screen. So yeah. you're kind of going to alienate your crowd there anyway. So, you know, 25 minutes into the show and they're just like, we saw one match that we really didn't care about. And then this match, we probably do care about a little bit. And they were not even in front of us. we we literally paid a ticket to watch a match on a screen, which we could have done at home. So I can see why that, um, could maybe have affected the crowd in terms of their interest and in entertainment early on into the show. But yeah, I mean, Holly and Snow, I think, are the two guys in this division, if you want to call it that, uh, best suited for it, going to give you the best kind of results. And uh, I didn't hate it, you know. It's, it's very difficult to hate these kinds of matches. So um, I, I don't even know. Maybe put this as your opener or something, but um, it's still not giving me a positive vibe for the remaining of the show either. So I, I, I would kind of say we're over two. In terms of me being overly interested in this show.
2: And given what's to come, that's not a, not a very promising start. So I'd like to think you can add at least one or two to the first column of that one as we go, Bob. Uh, this was one of those matches where I appreciated the spots. Wouldn't say I like them, I appreciated them. But I can definitely say I didn't appreciate or like the match. Yes, it's fun, it's supposed to be fun and they did squeeze every last drop of fun out of it. But <laughs> it does stretch credibility. It's Again, it, I repeat myself from last month, but if you're going to have a hardcore title, don't make it the comedy title. But then you turn around 180 and say, yes, but all main events are hardcore these days. All semi-main events are pretty much hardcore matches. So when you have a belt dedicated to it, you have to make it stand out. So you have to have elbow drops into bags of garbage. Uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy the wrong way around. I, I get it. I enjoy it. But I don't think it does the holders of the belt any favours. And I do think it makes the competitors look a little bit silly, but they're so keen on trying to win what is the novelty title. And that's a uh, The whole point about the hardcore belts is it wasn't prestigious when it was given to mankind six months ago. I don't think it's gained any since then. It's fine for a ribald enough 10 minutes on a pay-per-view, and that's okay, and they did do a good job, and they did take some big bumps here. I don't really have an issue with what these guys did within the context of hardcore matches in the WWF. I just have a problem with enjoying them, because they're not hardcore. They're they're not even weapons matches. They're walk around and hit each other with cool stuff matches. That's not the same thing. I don't think you're gaining anything, even in kayfabe, by winning this. And it is one of those where breaking it down on any technical level is rather pointless. But even so, I thought the finish was came far too quickly, which I think came across there in my play-by-play. As you rightly brought across, Dan, that superplex through a table. No, ow, fucking Ow. But then 30 seconds, Al is up, one shot ahead, and he wins. At least put some thought into the finish. It's as if they spent so much time cracking each other up in the back about the cool places they could go. They forgot they needed to end the match and just, oh, head will do it. That's fine. But it's enjoyable. It is the fabled and, dare I say, dreaded fun for what it is. But after six months of this, is that really enough? Undertaker is backstage. He tells the ministry that their recent stumblings will never be forgotten, but for now, they have a higher power to answer to. So now they must unite. It will soon be time for destruction and tragedy. More million matches coming, I assume. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about the next match on this card, which is the Intercontinental title Godfather versus Gold Dust. This is the third time these guys have fought this month. You're welcome. Meanie does his own version of the grind, and you can probably imagine, although I am not sure why you would want to. The Hoes then do their stuff, and after a line of no scrubs of all things, we are on the way. Back, body dropped by the Godfather and a faceplant, then he lowers the boom and Goldust hits the deck on the outside. Goldie threatens to walk out until Meanie reminds him this is a title match. We get a We Want hose chant, and then Goldust gets slammed and leg dropped for two. Tripped by Meanie though, and Dust capitalizes with a clothesline. Meanie then gets in some shots and a diving clothesline for a near fall. That slap lying on the ground thing that Goldust does, I wish he'd dropped that, and then he gets some powder. Godfather blocks though and then punches away at the blinded bizarre one. He then slugs away at Meanie as Godfather just, sorry, make that clear. Goldust, who is blinded, slugs away at Meanie as the Godfather just sits back and lets it happen. Meanie even takes a shattered dreams. Karate kick, which Meanie tries to break up. But that just hits gold dust see this one's just falling apart a double hoe train and the dvd and thankfully we are done bob oh boy um i didn't really
0: like i felt like there was a comedy aspect to this and i was not feeling it gold being blinded and yet couldn't hear meanie vocally saying please don't hurt me uh, a <laughs> lot so i guess when you're blind you're also deaf i mean i didn't to me that just threw me off i was okay whatever uh, it really, honestly, if this felt like they're writing gold dust off, like this is, this is the end of him and there's nothing that they're going to be able to do with him moving forward. This was like less than five minutes. Really? There wasn't much substance to it. And, and Godfather kind of got, um, you know, I, I guess a key victory over, over a former champion but i also want to point out though like there was a for a long time the intercontinental championship had always been seen as the belt where that guy is going to be world champion someday and now it's on the godfather <laughs> and to me it's like no no offense to godfather or anything but i'm just i don't see that at all you know this is maybe the uh, an instance where the prestige of the intercontinental championship is Kind of like what well, i don't know if that's really the best choice considering all the other kind of guys that you have on the roster so i just want to point that out again this uh pretty disappointing you know i was maybe hoping for a competitive match and instead, it just was let's do something funny let's make Goldus look like an idiot and here's this guy that thinks he has a job but he was fired weeks ago like doesn't i don't know i just again this was this was torture <laughs>
2: I've just had a chilling view of the future in opening up a opening up our show with the news in five or six months' time, announcing the Godfather as the new world champion. And if that happens, Bob, I'm coming back to this show, and I'm going to blame you, okay? You, you, well, might, wish I, you, you I, might wish you'd I, never mention this.
0: It, it would be... You guys would be thanking me, because if he becomes the world champion, the amount of hoes that he will have with him will freaking multiply by 10.
2: There we go. See... <laughs> silver lining silver lining ever the way with Bob Colling on this show uh, Dan are we going to get another contrary opinion on this one
3: Now, I put it to you that would you rather see a five to ten minute straightly worked match between a checked out Goldust who's been shit for, since 1995 <laughs> taking on Charles Wright who bless him he's a great character He's got him over after 10 years and he's got a little bit of a reward belt for him. Cause I think that's what it is, yeah. but he's never been a good wrestler in a straight singles match. Or would you rather have something like this, which was just a bit of slapstick and a bit of fun. Good argument. I personally would go with the latter. There's no, no way. I can't, I don't want to see Godfather and gold dust in a straight match. It's so boring. Well, like, at, least, at least this was—I'm not going to say it was like oh, laugh out loud hilarious—but at least it was like, sh- like so stupid it was funny, like you know, you've got Blue Meanie just in the shattered dreams position, just screaming no. That that's 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 better than a ten-minute gold Goldust match anyway.
2: I, I I definitely see where you're coming from on that one, Dan. But the problem I have with that is this is still for the Intercontinental Title. You know, oh, yeah. it, it was the work I, the workers' belt not so long ago.
3: Oh, yeah, there's no part of me that wants the godfather and golders <laughs> fighting for the to the intercontinental title. And as I said there, to me, this just feels like a thank you to Charles Wright for being a faithful servant to the company. Since I agree. you know, you know, I, I like to think they're gonna put the belt on someone with upper mid with upper trajectory like D or X Pac or Billy Gunn or something like that. But for what again? The problem if we're taking the intercontinental belt out of this, then I would much rather have what we got than five to ten minutes straight world match. But yeah, I, I completely understand why you'll have the problem with this being for the intercontinental title. I completely agree with that.
0: I, I'm uh I just want to point out I'm greatly offended by well not greatly offended because is rustling. wrestling. I don't really care that much, but <laughs> the idea that gold has sucked for the last four years or whatever his stuff in 95 and most probably most of 96 until the later end of it. When Jerry Lawler kind of made it r- ridiculous, that was some pretty good stuff. And he was doing that on a bum knee. So I got to defend gold from like, mid 98 on it's less like what is going on with this guy but from his debut in 95 until
2: i'd say november of 96. Goldust is a worthwhile character we we talked about it in timeline but by all means go back into the archive if you're a new listener for me it really all the gold stuff 95 96 yeah still great very very different for the time his face <laughs> turned socked basically yeah, that's, that's that's where, where it started off. they got the face turned on got his fake got his face character completely wrong in my opinion too yeah. so i'm not going to dredge that up now by all means go back into the archives and as we go through it month by month see what we thought now he is pretty much a busted flush i was very surprised he won the IC belt as recently as the day after wrestlemania i was not surprised they got got it back off him so quickly and it is a thank you for the godfather Charles Wright. He's well, he hasn't got himself over. We all know why he is over, but he is, make no mistake. Uh, this is where the federation is these days. You know, it comes to the point where you've got so many characters who are red hot over, and understandably, and indeed, many cases deservedly so. But there's going to come a time where the bell's going to ring, and that's where it's all going to fall apart. So you have to pad this match out, you have to have Meanie in there. Bumping for three, you know, Blue sodding Meanie doing all the work for goodness sake. Somebody who isn't even even employed there anymore, (laughs) or having to try to carry this match. So I I do get it. It's not to say I like it, but I understand it. I would not want to see a straight up match between these two. I don't think anybody particularly would. But it's one of those where if you do on the other side of the coin, if you ladle it with too much comedy especially after the hardcore match we've just seen it becomes hard to take it seriously and yes this is pro wrestling pinch of salt and all that of course but when this is for the ic title i don't want to see that being treated with disdain either the hardcore belt as much as i complained about it 10 minutes ago i can see why okay i can see why. i don't want the ic title to be Treated with that lack of reverence, either. Either though, if you are going to book this match, you don't really have much of a choice. Oh goodness me, we've far too much. about god, by the Gold Dust match here, but hey, they made it for the IC title. They made it, quote unquote, important. So we've had a good old argument about it. Well done, WWF, you got us. Michael Cole is back talking to Al Snow in the toilets, no less. Al calls him Todd, which is rather amusing. Apparently, Head is laying claim to the title himself. Time for our next match. The New Age Outlaws versus Owen and Jarrett, who are with Deborah, or should that be Deborah, is with them. The winners face Kane and x on the inaugural edition of SmackDown. The faces want to see the puppies. They don't get their wish, so the punishment for everybody is Billy showing them that ass. And so the heels become the biggest good guys on the planet by stopping it. Big Nugget chant, but then King says we haven't heard much from Stuart lately. <laughs> You haven't been listening to the show, have you? (laughs) Four from four. Standard stuff here to start us off. Very nice swinging. (laughs) Very nice swinging, what I've called a Beck Breaker in my notes by Jarrett. I'm a loser. Unmistakable, show your puppy's chance, but instead they get the crazy legs knee drop by the Road Dog. Blind tag by the heels, but Roadie is wise to it and sends them into each other. Ensiguri by Owen, and then a leg drop puts him down. Two count there. Double clothesline, and then a drop kick by Jarrett puts Dog outside. He goes for that trap-them-on-the-ropes-neck first move. Does that have a name? But he crotches himself instead. Owen in, who gets backslid, but the rep is tied up, so it is only a long two. World-class leg lariat as ever for two, as Gunn breaks it up. Jarrett in with a good power slam for a closer two. They both go for a leapfrog, but then clash heads. That one didn't come across well, unfortunately. Owen cuts off the tag and slaps on a sleeper. Rodog rallies with the crowd's help and quickly gets on his own. His own sleeper, and then we get a double clothesline spot, and both men are down. Rhoda gets the hot tag, and Billy does the one thing he is good at. All four men in, and the faces deliver some stereo ten count punches. Heels are whipped into each other, then Billy diving clothesline Jeff's out. Diving clotheslines Jeff out. Deborah on the apron, and that allows Owen to find an opening, but Dog blocks into the pump handle slam. Thankfully, Jarrett stops the three count off that one. They dodge a double drop kick. Then when Owen puts on the sharpshooter, Billy, with the famous sends him down and the Outlaws get the win and the title shot. Daniel.
3: You know, we've, we've had four months of Michael Cole commentary, which Eric finds unlistenable and I completely understand that viewpoint. But for me, this was the first time I've ever had to watch a match twice, once on mute. Because between the crowd who were heels all night, but they peaked with their constant we want puppies chance, and Jerry Law who was just an insufferable pervert in this match, every word out of his mouth was just deplorable. And at least I know I know he's playing a character, but try to make it sound like you aren't getting a hard on under your desk whilst you're watching <laughs> this match. I think even JR even went, You've got your Viagra top up, didn't you? Today and it's like, Oh piss off. This is not what I want to hear when I'm trying to enjoy the wrestling so i i had to put the mute button on this match and go back and listen to it uh, go back and watch it sorry with the sound turned off because i didn't want to give this match you know and minus points because of the commentary and the crowd and it's a good thing i did because honestly i think this is one of the best two on two no gimmicks involved tag matches in the wwf for almost a year considering the amount of crap we've had you know before the headbangers and oddities and doa you put someone like Jarrett and in particular Owen Hart in a tag match, you're going to get something good out of it. And I do think we got something good out of this match. Road Dog, for once looked like he was actually doing something in the ring rather than just being a punching bag. And Billy Gunn has probably become the best hot tag in wrestling in short bursts. Like he's so athletic and they're really pushing at the minute that he looked really good in this match. So yeah. for. If you watch this match on mute I think this is this is pretty good but unfortunately if you are watching it on the sound I, it's almost impossible to watch and enjoy it because the commentary and the crowd were just insufferable.
2: Yeah, King is starting to get a bit much with this, isn't he? Now, just listen to the crowd for goodness sake. We don't need reminding from the WWF commentary team that the Fed have now cornered the dirty old man market. Now, <laughs> those are things we do not need shoved in our face so to speak and it's getting just a little bit much. And I think King needs to watch it or rather King should just watch it and not talk about it. How about that? Bob, your thoughts on all of that? Well, I am just thrilled that I actually have the ability to tune
0: out the commentary. So it doesn't, I could have it full blast and I could
2: just tune them out. And it's a I very have useful skill to have these days. It really <laughs>
0: is because Jerry, his, his Dan's right. Jerry Lawler, especially when it comes to the puppies, that is all he will talk about. And, uh, being able to just kind of tune it out and just watch the wrestling um definitely uh, came in handy for me in this match um like i've been so the first three matches i've been having a tough time to really get invested into it i enjoyed this and what i want what i'm going to say is i don't want it i don't want to sound like i'm being um negative despite enjoying it but this was pretty by the books match there's nothing over the top it was kind of felt like something you would see at a house show and given the context of the show that was perfectly fine you know there's nothing nothing offensive they didn't really have to do anything over the top to keep me interested in this match and like dan said again with billy Gunn, i thought his hot tag was was terrific like it really there's nothing more that can kill a tag match than a lackluster hot tag if you don't have a good hot tag you're, you're doomed. And Billy Gunn really excelled at that. Uh, I don't know if I'm in total support of the Outlaws winning this because, again, with the crowd, I don't know if this is tonight. They don't care about what's going on. But the Outlaws' reaction seemed to be significantly lower than even three months ago. Like if they were to win three months ago, the crowd would go nuts. Even if they were heels, they would go nuts for them. And here it was just like, oh, okay, the Outlaws won again. I'm th- I'm starting to think maybe the Outlaws and the tag ranks maybe on the decline. Um, which is to be expected. I mean, they had a pretty good the like, year and a half run at this point. I would have probably liked to see Jared and Owen against Kane and X Pac for the tag titles, but I can understand again why they would do the Outlaws there because of the tie in with Xbox. So maybe they have a greater heat segment or something. But uh for me to this point, this match is definitely the match of the night.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with all of that. This was by the book, as you say. There was nothing particularly spectacular about it. It was a formula tag team match. And in the past, if you listen to me on these shows, I've said that I've got quite bored of that. But here, I didn't really mind it quite so much. I think it's because Owen and Jarrett are both so good at getting heat. And for all his other deficiencies in the ring i do think that road takes a pretty good beating and billy gunn for all of his deficiencies is an excellent hot tag guy so if you work a match that way you're not aiming particularly high you're not going to get out of the two and a half star range but if you're happy with that then just go with it it did have a house show feel to it i concur with that too but again that's all right here where in-ring work rate. There's such a paucity of it these days. A buy the books 13 to 15 minute tag team match where the faces go over after getting the big hot tag and it all breaks down. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Again, whether the Outlaws should have won here is another question. I was a little bit surprised that they did, to be perfectly honest, but considering where the storyline is going when we get to SmackDown, it made sense in that respect. But just a good match and how often do no, t- I never thought we'd get to the stage where calling something just a good match should be seen as showering it with praise? Uh, where the Fed have taken us over the last 18 months, it really is. And it might even be the second best match of the night. That's where we are. But good stuff from everybody involved, no more than good stuff. But right now, I'm going to take it. Cole talks to Shane. How can he be an impartial referee? Unlike his father, he doesn't give guarantees, but he gives him his word. He will count one, two, three of Austin Pins for Rock, and he will do so in the name of his grandfather. And as for Vince, he can just stay out of his way. As for Vince, he is interviewed on the sofa by Kevin Kelly, and Stephanie is there too. Again, VKM's number one concern is with his family. Steph does not like that the word was made on his grandfather's name. Shea made a big mistake last week. Vince hopes he doesn't like a bigger one tonight. So, it's our first Boiler Room brawl for a few years. The big show against, of course, Mankind, with the winner being the first to escape. We start with show trying to find him, but Mankind is lurking and jumps him from behind. He jams in the door of the electricity control room but those tree trunk arms soon and that. <laughs> it gets thrown onto a table and then tastes the thing for good measure. Show goes for a punch but hits the fridge instead in the Boiler Room. He recovers by kicking a trash can back into Mankind's head. He sticks him onto a shopping cart in a boiler room, then sends him into some boards and pallets. We get a shot of Ref Teddy Long outside the front door, and then show starts to walk. I'm not sure he'll ever walk again, though, after Mankind ends him with a pane of glass to the skull. Mankind injured himself with that one and is bleeding from the hand. He tries to climb a ladder, but gets chokeslammed through two more tables and broken glass. After that, just a mop to the back has to seem like a blessed relief. Mick's hand is leaving gory prints everywhere. Show then runs Mankind over some metal beams, but Mick sets off what I think is a pipe of hot water to quell things. Then another pipe to the back. He then throws Show onto a stack of pipes, leading him to be buried by about 50 of them. Mankind slowly crawls to the outside, and that is good for the win. But immediately, Boss Man and Test give him a beating then show rises from the pipes. It's that time of year. I guess the boss man out of there and test gets a sock going to see this one out. Bob, this was very different to the boiler room brawl we saw at SummerSlam 96. And I quite enjoyed it this time. Yeah, well, I did not. <laughs> I was <waiting>. like, <laughs> I queued you up. I queued you up and you did. Yeah, not me down. Now did. you've got to tell us why.
0: I just, I don't know, man. It just feels like this was thrown together. Number one compare like i don't i hate to compare things but here i am uh the first one the first boiler room brawl there was a huge angle to it built up for months and, and whatnot and sure a boiler room brawl really rustling makes no sense but it, it happened at least with the first one they would have to rustle back to the ring where like you know the crowd could then be invested into it this is that's true they're just in a boiler room and and if, again if you want to you want to find out why the crowd just fucking hated this show, probably. Out of five matches, two of them, the majority of them, weren't even in front of them. They had to watch it on a goddamn screen. If I had gone to this show and spent 50 bucks or whatever on a ticket, and I'm looking at the Jumbo fucking screen, I'm like, what? I should have just stayed home. I should have just paid 30 bucks and just stayed home and watched it. So you're not getting value for it. It's not. It's not as good as the as the original. I mean, sure, the production's better because the camera didn't go out or anything, but I didn't like. It It was all lit up, you know. The the first one is darkened. You can't really see anything, so mankind can't hide or anything and come out of nowhere. It was all lit up properly, and I don't know. I just I didn't like it. Sure, some of the stuff they did was, you know, interesting. I guess like some of the items they used and spots, but I don't know. The, the angle wasn't. Something I felt I needed to be invested in to care about this. It's just like, oh hey, we're doing another one just for the hell of it. Hey, remember that first one? That was pretty cool. Well, we did it again just with a guy that no one really cares about in the big show. But hey, mankind's cool. Like, okay, um, no, yeah. So again, you come out of a tag match, and I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we'll pick up. Maybe the the bigger matches will you know save the show for me. And I get this for like seven minutes or whatever it was. And it's just, I'm right back to being feeling defeated. I just, I'm probably being too harsh on it. But I, to be honest with you, I just hate this fucking show. So <laughs> that's what really? it's really? <laughs> like. do. I will <laughs> get into it more later on. But like, this is, this would have been good if it was on like a Raw or something or, or SmackDown where I'm not paying any money for it. But I, I paid you $30 to watch a guy's in a boiler room. Where the where the context of the feud I don't really think justifies this type of match, and I'm paying you thirty bucks to do it. At least with Star K '98, I got like Norman Smiley or something, and like I like him; he's cool. I don't I don't care about the Big Show. Well, whatever. I, I like Big Show when he was smoking as a giant. Not this crap. I don't know. I just
2: I'm not digging it. And there's another. At least it wasn't you dropping. A Norman Smiley reference this time, Dan. But can I not escape that man for just one month? <laughs> you will never escape, Norman, Norman smiley. smiley. I'm beginning to think you're right, Dan. Your thoughts on this match, if you would.
3: Um, I think all the reasons Bob hated it are the reasons I really liked it. Oh, I'm leaving <laughs>
2: <laughs> through the door. <laughs> I'll yeah. through the boiler room door.
3: Uh, right. So Bob doesn't like the fact that it was you know it was well written production wise and you know I think it's just different ethos Bob I mean like angles and storylines matter to you more but for me it's all about matches and the fact that I could actually see what was going on in this match what made it a plus point two the, you know the stuff all about the boiler room which I you know you draw attention to there the shopping carts and the ladders and the chairs these two had stuff to do in this match I mean last time it was just wandering around and hitting each other with pipes. This one was, you know, actual good spots in here. And Mankind being Mankind through his body, through them with Guster and it that made them really interesting and shocking to see. Well, and this but... felt- Go
0: ahead, sorry.
3: Like, you know, it, by the time the match ended, they're both, you know, bloody Mankind looks gory with the hand injury. And I know that's it's not planned, but it added extra weight to this match. Which last time around, you know, you've got the big boiler room brawl and the spectacle and the and the uniqueness of it, but then they're leaving to go to the ring, and then it's just like, well, loses all the momentum. Like to me, this actually felt like it was short, it was sweet, it was quick, and the fact that he could just get out of the boiler room to win felt a bit more natural to me than having to go all the way to the ring. That felt better to me. Um, so and yeah, it's just a mankind brawl, which again is almost always going to be good and to me it was good and the big show here who again i will Bob, i don't care about him at all compared to what he was three months ago it was meant to be the biggest acquisition they had in 1999 he already feels like a mid-carder but at least he didn't feel dangerous here like he was last month in that match at wrestlemania at least he felt like he was imposing his size but never was endangering mankind's safety as much as he was last month so I, I liked it clearly bob and i like different things
2: and if we all like the same things life would be boring wouldn't it
0: well that's good for our
2: dating lives <laughs> you know we never have to worry about the same woman or anything so <laughs> uh, drop that one in drop that one in okay so and again as so often you both make excellent points i'm not going to agree with both of you the big sap that i am okay <laughs> In a vacuum, this match I thought was a lot of fun. Again, it's one of those where it's much more fun to watch it than I would imagine to participate in it. I don't go about my business every day, expecting to be hit by a pane of glass to the skull or be buried under hot water pipes or anything remotely like it. So watching other people do it for my entertainment is fine by me as long as they are not getting too badly hurt into the bargain. And of course, as I keep telling myself, Mick Foley loves this stuff. Okay. Conceptual problems with this match, which did hang over me while I was watching it. Number one, the fact that this was face v. Face. If you remember, Big Show turned face rather hurriedly and awkwardly at WrestleMania. That was not the original plan. Now, this match was earmarked to take place at this pay-per-view, and it was going to be Big Show's first really big match, apparently. But they changed things around. They did the thing where they were going to turn him face, so they put together that guest referee storyline to take us up to WrestleMania, but they decided to keep this match going anyway. And what they did to each other didn't really feel like a babyface respect match to me. So that's number one. Number two, and I think, Bob, you kind of hinted at it yourself there, is that a boiler room brawl for this mankind character doesn't really work. I mean, this is, this is the person I played it in earlier. He's doing commercials for Chef Boyardee Ravioli, for goodness sake. Now, he is now not the sort of person who talks to a rat telling us that mankind is suffering anymore. He's not that guy. And it just shows how much he has evolved with the character and how brilliant Mick Foley is. As I say, ad nauseum, every single month. And will do so as long as he is employed by the company. But the boiler and brawl, brought... it's... The whole point is that it was his domain in August 1996. I don't think they got it right conceptually, so go back and listen to that show to find out why. And here, it almost seems like... What's the word I'm looking for? It seems like a an accoutrement of the Mankind character. Oh, he's the harmless, funny guy who lives in boiler rooms who can really screw you up and fuck you up if he really, really wants to. And that's probably why the match was a lot shorter. That's probably why it wasn't as certainly why it wasn't as hyped in the way the one was three years ago and why as extreme as some of the spots were it didn't feel as it certainly wasn't as morbid and scary as it was three years ago it felt like mankind dare i say this expression again having a bit of fun (laughs) and that's why there was the thing that was shown i think it was shown uh, the day after, but it was played on the version of the tape I saw where Mankind was walking around the boiler room surveying the damage and looking quite pleased with himself. I, mean, <laughs> I like this version of the Mankind character. I really, really do. But they need to be a little careful when they put him into violent situations like this where the <laughs> juxtaposition between this friendly, smiling guy with the three-chord music who shakes hands and has smiley face on his tie. On the other hand, you've got a guy who <laughs> will bury you in pipes for shits and giggles. It, I, I don't know. I think Mankind is in the right position on the card these days, and Big Show is in this position on the card, whether he likes it or not, but it's tough. I enjoyed what I saw. I'm not going to pretend I didn't, but I would move away from this part of Mankind's character now. If you're going to have him doing goofy stuff, just go ahead with that and just have him do that. like the match he had with Balbinus this month, that kind of thing. Stick with that for a while and maybe keep this sort of thing in the background as an additional extra resource if you choose to tweak his character again a bit down the line. But yeah, if these two are friends, I'd hope to see what they're like if they're enemies. So it's Triple H versus X-Pac, and I'm pleased to say these two don't pussyfoot around from the bell. They're straight in with some Flailing punches until Pack gets the first big shot with a kick to the outside. He flings Helmsley back in, but a low blow sees hunt to get early control. He then hurls Pack over the top, but the little one sees China coming a mile off, and he blocks Triple H's axe handle too. I like that he's not just playing Don Babyface here. Helmsley though with shots to the table and steps and back in the turnbuckle. Triple H attacks the neck relentlessly, but the crowd don't really get the significance of that. More on that later. They do, though, react when China biffs him in the face. Keep it simple, I guess. And there's a two. Neck breaker by Hunter, and that's worth a two also. He then grinds on the neck. Do you get it yet? On the mat for a very long time. And then a knee drop right to the vertebrae twice. JR begs Pack to stay down, but instead we get a dragon sleeper. And we get a face buster for two. JR calls for the match to be stopped, but I'm not getting that vibe here more neck work until a surprise inside cradle by x-pack but the mutiny doesn't last long this is another front face lock and the sleeper and there's no guru and a monsoon on hand to talk about the carotid arteries pack fights out into a desperation sleeper of his own albeit to limited crowd enthusiasm and that ends with a side suplex mm, not getting this one going a few spin kicks by pack help turn the tide a little as does a 180 corner clothesline and a tornado ddt but that's not good for the win yet China on the apron, and Mike Kyoto gets distracted. Pack blocks the pedigree with a headbutt to the balls, and that almost gets a three. Pack goes for a springboard kick thing, but Triple H pushes the ref into his path. Back in, Pack with the X Factor, but here comes China with the low blow and a neck first reverse DDT. Helmsley gets put on top, and then the lights go out. It is, of course, Kane. After trying for revenge on China, he chokeslams Triple H and then gives China what she deserves. Copyright Jim Ross. He sets them up in opposite corners and leaves. Puck comes to and everybody is primed for a Bronco Buster. Triple H gets one, then China. But Triple H is up so he can pedigree Puck for the very sudden win. Ah, dear. Dan, I I had a lot of notes for that one. (laughs) More than I remember writing probably inversely proportional to how much actually happened in the match. What are your thoughts?
3: It was fine. Nothing more, more really. Um, I get the sense this match may have been better received in front of a more knowledgeable crowd who weren't being a heel. felt um, very old school with with Hunter working over the body part and the underdog has a bad history of it with a methodical pace. Not slow, methodical, that's the word. And JR, yeah, Definitely on comment-
2: not slow, methodical. That's the positive word, uh, uh, slow. Yeah. <clears throat> JR's
3: commentary probably was selling the bad neck of X-Pac as if his pace depended depending on it, and that made the story of the match, from a sitting-at-home perspective, much better to follow, and you bought the plight of X-Pac even more because of it, but again, the crowd don't have access to the commentary, so they just weren't into it at all. And that's where I'm just getting the sense that maybe they should have changed up a little bit and just try to do something, anything, just to get the crowd a bit more into it. But again, I've I've slapped off this crowd so much and I I wonder if anything would have gotten into it. Um, And I still don't, I'm still not convinced by Triple H to get between the the ropes either. I still think he's too methodical. Uh, Very audible spotting spot calls as well in this match. Um, And his offense is still very basic. Um, so he's still got a long way to go before he's even close to main event level for me, and I don't understand why Kane came out before the match and then just left because it makes both both Kane and X Park look getting into dumb babyface territory because Kane didn't see the didn't see the interference through, and X Park couldn't get the job done even with a big seven foot monster interfering on his behalf. So yeah, the match is fine, and I'm probably not happy with the overall way this guy this um made x puck in particular look come out of it so this is, uh, versus the, Bob, this is the first big minus point of the, mic, of the mic for me
2: yeah we'll just touch on helmsley's very loud spot calling there was a moment i think it's about five or six minutes in where he very audibly and very clearly said to the referee how much time which is a bit of a rookie mistake jr had to cover by saying they were talking trash but i heard it and so did everybody else in the arena and everybody else within a 50 mile radius i think bob what do you think
0: i just want to point out dan kudos to you for being a positive human being and uh (laughs) i am just the exact opposite when it comes to this show because like you were to say it was it was a low light but it was fine you know like that's amazing to me that you can still see positives to it. I fucking hated this. <laughs> no. Okay. It was slow as hell. Not methodical. It was slow as hell. I came into the show. This was the one match, Triple H, Xbox, where I'm thinking Xbox going to shine. He's going to come off the top rope. He's going to do springboard. it's going to be great. Crazy. They do a freaking front face lock for like 12 minutes or something like this is not a Yokozuna match in 1994 <laughs> where he's doing nerve holds for 20 minute main events with Lex Luger. Like what the hell are we doing? Why do, why would you choose the neck? I understand you next know, Xbox had neck injuries and whatever, but come on, this, it kills the match. And the only reason or only way I can see why, you know, Jr is like, Oh, this is probably really hurting his neck is because triple H is gassed to the gills. I mean, give me a break. This guy back at SummerSlam 98, I mean, he's probably got the same arms as me, and now he's looking like he's Hogan 86. Like, what the hell is going on with this guy? There's no way that's a natural progression. I don't know what the hell that guy puts in his Wheaties, but it certainly is not milk. It might be a a white substance or something, but it's definitely not milk. Incredibly frustrating, this match. I mean, it goes like almost 20 minutes And and when Triple H was like, hey, how much time we got left? That's exactly what the fuck I was thinking. How much time is left in this goddamn match for me to have to sit through it. So mad. And the the finisher with the cane coming out, the lights go off. There's fire pyro. And the referee doesn't even know about it. Like, even if you're knocked out, if I'm laying on the ground and Rory, Rory, you hit me, I'm on the ground. And then Dan comes in with fire pyro. I'm probably going to be like, "What the hell was that?" I'm going to get up and be like, "Oh, there's a guy with a red mask on that's freaking hitting people." Just well, okay. So now we're just ignoring basic wrestling rules just for the hell of the match. So, and then and X Xbox doesn't even win. He still gets cleanly pinned with mm. with a, a pedigree. So any kind of attempt for me to be like, "Cool, X Pac might be getting out of the mid card. He might." be able to maybe jump a little bit into the upper mid-card or maybe uh, throw him in for a random main event. That's gone. He's never getting out of the mid-card after this match. His big buddy comes in. He still can't win. He just turns around gets met with a pentagree. Talk about a flat finish. You work over the neck for 12 minutes. Your big freaking brother comes out, cleans house. You're like, yeah, man, I did it. Turn around and you get pentagree and you get pinned one, two, three. Horrible. For that kill, to me. That kills X Pac, in a babyface role for me in a singles capacity. That I would not want to see him in a big time match again. Throw him back with the European Championship or something. That's where after this match, that's where he's at for me. And that's a shame because I really do like X Pac. But this, the way he was presented here, atrocious.
2: Okay, let me just try this one. Through hellfire and brimstone, it's Dan Welling. I like it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> there we go perfect you're on to something yeah this yeah oh, what a this match was a real a real killer for me i like storyline in my matches i really really do some of my favorites of all time have been because the story has held from bell to bell the one they were trying to tell here was too specific and it was lost on this crowd. I think it would have been lost on any crowd. I mean, working the neck, is ugh, picking the body part and sticking to it is all very well and good. But I don't think the crowd saw the neck as a as anything particularly horrifying, regardless of whether Sean Walkman himself has had real neck injuries in the past. That didn't come across. I mean, this isn't like Great American Bash 90, where – when Flair goes for the figure of four on Sting, the crowd gasps because of Sting's knee problems. This wasn't right. like that at all. I can imagine this is probably Helmsley's idea in the back. And of course, because he's he gets a fair bit of traction these days. No. What he says goes by all accounts backstage. The story held, I'll give it that. They kept the story going, but it just wasn't an interesting one. It, Helmsley, Dan, you're right. Helmsley does not have the breadth of offense to carry that for 20 minutes. If you can do that, sort of thing and make it interesting then fine but he doesn't and he's been here for four years now and if it isn't going to happen anytime soon and i don't see it occurring his matches are methodical code 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 and he didn't need to win here i don't think this feud's going to continue so he didn't need to win yes he's moving up the card yes he could be in line for semi-main events judging by what's going to be happening in the next month or two give x pack a feel-good story you know I don't think he's going to be a main event at any time soon, so just let him have the win here, especially as the last 30 seconds were booked towards that happening. Uh, X-Pac doesn't know if Kane's going to turn up. He does, and he saves the day. Here he turns up, saves the day, and it's all for nothing. That was a real kick in the pants as a finisher. It's the, it's the wrong finish to the wrong sort of match. If this had been half the length, and pack had been allowed it. Really good. Get some serious shine in the first three or four minutes before Helmsley cuts him off, then pack with a big comeback. Maybe even have Kane get involved there to block China off and pack wins, then fine. But this match was twice as long as it needed to be and completely the wrong finish. And there was no real chance of getting the crowd back into it, let alone Bob Collins. Speaking of which, coming up next, Bob, I know you're looking forward to this one. Oh my it's God. And Shamrock versus The Undertaker. Oh, yes. Oh, look at my notes for this. Here we go. Ken is in with some sharp punches and then Undertaker covers up, which is quite the sight. Big clothesline and an early cover attempt for two. Rope walk and the diving clothesline and another count for two. A choke for a count of four. And unlike the previous match, I don't even know what it is they're going for here. He misses a boot in the corner and Ken strikes quickly with some kicks to the leg. He then grinds it against the rope as Taker slowly tries to alleviate the pressure. This is just odd. Side suplex by Taker and a two. One-legged takedown by Ken, and he hyperextends the knee. Undertaker actually sells this stuff, and we are now in just a pure parallel universe here. And JR, while I'm at it, stop saying Charlie Horse so much. Kicks to the knee again, but then kicks to the knee by Ken, and now he is grapevining it. Okay, now I understand. I think the boring chance are starting to get going as Undertaker blasts Shamrock in the ribs. Hip-toss blocked, and Ken rolls through into another ankle grapevine. Uh, we-want-Ryan chant goes up as we get some knee work on the outside. Stomps to the ankle when it's jammed between the steps, then back into the ring, and then the Undertaker with a drop toe hold. I just can't. <laughs> but Ken switches into an armbar, and Undertaker has the fight to get to the ropes, and those boring chants are getting very hard to hide. Punch off the apron, sent Undertaker to the railing but shamrock gets caught off an axe handle and sent into the ring post and of course the steps of course the bloody steps again ah oh. forearm shots to the lower back and the backbreaker. cover for two and hey dude that's the undertaker there doing a bow and arrow <laughs> yeah that's some good gear man leg dropped by the dead man but once more shamrock rolls through from it into a submission attempt and undertaker counters into a half fucking crab The live audience are just bamboozled by this, and they are in very good company. Whiffed close line for a two. Flying back elbow and knees can't get taken down, so he breaks out the big boot for another two. Ken with a chop block and then just about gets the feed on to rotate on a Rana. That was a bit dicey. Armbar takedown and the ankle lock? No, not yet. Ah, Maybe now. But here comes Bradshaw with a baseball bat, and for once I'm quite pleased to see him. He doesn't get very far, though. Shamrock rolls out of a chuck slam attempt into an arm bar. Bearer distracts, but you still get a belly to belly by Kenny. He goes for a tombstone, but that's not going to happen. A counter by Taker, and that secures the win in Bob, whatever the hell this match was supposed to be. I'm, come on. This is just. If
0: anybody out there has ever thought, I would love to see Undertaker work a 19 minute match doing mat wrestling. You're a goddamn liar. I mean, this Shamrock, how many times do you do the ankle lock? About 12 times and you couldn't make the guy tap. You're you're killing your finish. Right? I mean, they're alone. I'm exa- I'm mentally exhausted from having watched it and then have uh, Rory describe it back to me. I'm I'm mentally just exhausted from having to experience this. Shamrock Last year, I was crazy guy, whatever. I'm digging it. And now he's like trying to bang his sister or something. And then, <laughs> you know, now, <laughs> now he's, you know, fighting this.
1: <laughs> well, I oh. mean,
0: that, that's, that's what it was. Like he, you know, trying to bang his sister or whatever. I, it, it happens. And then, uh, you oh, know, the, doing this, so <laughs> a, a sadistic, um, guy here undertaker saving stephanie from being abducted or whatever i don't know i'm just i'm not (laughs) ken shamrock in the in the year span has fallen so quickly for me that it's not even it's kind of sad to be honest with you i mean I, i get it was coming across like a brawl or a fight or something i didn't get that connection this is similar to the previous match with Triple H and X Pac. Like Shamrock should have been tossing this guy around with suplexes. Go with his UFC background. Just take off your damn gloves and just pummel the guy. This feels like a feud. I don't want to say a blood feud because I don't think uh, much of the conflict is between them more so than the groups. But like, have that type of th- Like, this guy is trying to kidnap your boss's daughter routinely every day. And you're settling with like a body scissors on the mat for, you know, two minutes or something. And you go, continues to go for the ankle lock and, and takers is like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll just sell it for a little bit and totally kill your finish. And then why are you going for a tombstone? Just, just the gravity nature of it. Like you're freaking five, six or something. This guy's six, eight. It's not rocket science to know like a pendulum like you're going to flip backwards and you're done. Like, what are you doing? It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe Shamrock got punched in the head too many times. I don't know. Horrible. I didn't like it at all. I'm sure Dan is going to be like, you know, (laughs) hey, uh, I've seen a lot worse on the show. It was was pretty good. Um, It was fine, but not great. I I hope I'm wrong, Dan. I hope that you're also just as upset as I am about this because this,
2: for 20 minutes, um, I lost a few brain cells, I think. I should say, we did actually wake Bob Colling up to record this show today. You'd never tell, would you, dear listener, if I had not given you that information. I'm regretting it. I should have just (laughs) stayed in bed. It's Uh, it's PTSD. You know, I feel like it's just horrible. You heard the man, Dan. Now's your chance. If anyone's going to take it, it's you, my friend. Fearful to speak. (laughs) Come on, you're among friends here, sort of. (laughs) Well, yeah, just you just say- don't cross me.
0: I'll knock you out. You know, that's the type of
2: thing. Well,
3: what would what, what would you say if I if I said I like this?
0: Oh my God. Um I'd have to probably send you to A, a facility to get <laughs> you checked out because I just I don't I, I'm already you're already gonna say you liked it, so just go ahead.
3: I'm this. <laughs> well you're safe because I fucking
2: hated it.
0: Yeah, there
2: yes, Dan, there you go. I think we're all happy with that one, really. (laughs) (laughs) I I am relieved. I I feel like shutting the entire show down at this point. (laughs) You've rescued yourself there, Dan. Tell us why.
3: Oh, good God.
2: Ken Shamrock is not a
3: 20-minute mat wrestling guy, even though he's been in UFC. This guy's an explosive, high-octane, high-offense sort of wrestler. The Undertaker is not a mat submission MMA wrestler, and you've Got this, like really. This is so bloody dull. Got honestly, this torturous selling of the leg. and ow! ow. He's, this is doing Lex Luger style selling. This is meant to be the Prince of Darkness, the the unspeakable evil that is terrorizing the, this company, and he's locking on bow and locks. <sighs> this guy's sacrificed Ken Shamrock's sister. Ken Shamrock is loyal to Vince. This should be a high, like of all the matches to have a Attitude Era style brawl. This was the match, and they got this. This is a Bret Hart match, and Ken Shamrock ain't no Bret Hart. Bret Hart could get a very good match out of Undertaker doing this style. Ken Shamrock can't because he's just not got the cardio. He's not got the in-ring IQ to do it. And the Undertaker's character does not fit this style of match at all. It, crap. Really just crap. Boring, long, tedious, dull. Undertaker's character in the minute is utter garbage. I mean, we, you touched on it earlier, Rory, but his promo at the start of the show, the power, power, the tragedy, the destruction, the tragedy, Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. <laughs> Utter garbage. Get this man off my screen.
2: <laughs> Good luck with that. I suppose for um I suppose for old time's sake, I, every match we've talked about on this pay-per-view so far, I should say I like this too, but uh, I really fucking didn't, so sorry. Our first naught from three of the night, I think. Um yeah, it's so freaking bizarre. I I want to I want to like Shamrock. I feel like I say this every time I'm on a WWF show, but I really want to like him more than I do. They just book him incorrectly. The only time they've really booked him right was where he was allowed to be himself, where Vader, of all people, told him he was going too far. And at the end of the match with Bulldog at SummerSlam 97, where he snapped, beat up officials, beat up referees, screamed, get out of my way, and the crowd went with him. That is what people want to see. But I just wonder whether the people backstage, Vince or whoever... think that now Shamrock is just because he's been there for two years and he's done some real fighting in his time, that he is now a ring veteran and he can hold 20-minute matches. He absolutely can't. He really, really cannot let... Alone with the Undertaker, who, and some of you are going to laugh at this, but I think it's true, probably had the better of the mat exchanges in this match. Now he does at least come from a background; but he's done some work in NWA and stuff, JCP, etc. He's some Mean Mark, the Punisher. Now, he's it's not the star we is normally accustomed to, or we're accustomed to seeing, but he does have it in his locker. So when it's called upon, he can vaguely try to hang in let's not say i want to see undertaker in that style absolutely not but if he needs to he can at least do his version of his best yeah for some reason this was the match rather than having shamrock just out there to try to kill this devil before him no he's exchanging fucking key locks and ankle locks i mean I mean, uh, this whole whole thing with the Undertaker, sorry, with Mark, because that's his real name, because also hip and cool these days, getting so far into his television character. Uh, <laughs> if all this stuff was real, then Shamrock would take the opportunity to try to just knock his block off. Yet here, but having Shamrock like it's a, I don't know, a second match on the card at, 99 edition of clash of the champions like like he's in there with ricky steamboat or something and ricky steamboat and undertaker you know just don't don't even begin comparing those two and it was a poor example of it because ken's just not got it he does it's like triple h in a way the wrong type of match for that person just not varied enough to make it interesting and it was completely out of context with what's been happening Undertaker's barely associated with pro-wrestling these days, and yet here he is trying to be booked having a wrestling match. (laughs) If I wasn't so pissed off with the way The Undertaker's carrying on these days, I'd feel a bit of sympathy for both of these guys. And Shamrock, even though he's being booked still fairly prominently on the card, he feels like yesterday's man. I'm I'm with you, Bob. I, I think any magic they might have had with him has gone now. They signed this guy a lot of fanfare seven-figure sum he's in there with undertaker, undertaker on the brain he's in there with austin and brett at wrestlemania 13. And he looks like he could could have the world at his feet when the crowd are with him at SummerSlam 97 and now he's one up from just a guy doing the soap opera stuff on one hand and 20-minute matches he's not capable of working on the other Which thankfully brings us to our main event for the WWF Championship. Stone Cold Steve Austin defending against The Rock. Shane McMahon is the guest referee. The match is no holds barred. And if Austin puts his hands on Shane, he will lose the title. For the second pay-per-view in a row, Austin v. Rock is a rather onerous responsibility for the both of them. Let's see if they can live up to it. Before the match, we see Steph getting into a limo. Vince will join her as soon as the match is over. Shane tells somebody to put the smoking skull belt in his office. Rock gets a fair few cheers when he emerges, but Austin's pop is still mighty. We start out all guns blazing, so much so that I first typed guns, G-U-N-Z. Fez press and fists of fire, but Rock is able to fight back and sends Austin to the outside. We quickly go to the entranceway and the crowd are finally alive. Lawler on commentary says they love this kind of match, and he is right. Austin gets whipped into the metal link fencing by the entrance and knocks down both of the steel posts surrounding it. Stone Cold favours his wrist, that was a real injury by the way, but is still able to reverse a suplex attempt into one of his own right on the floor. Now Rock goes into the fencing on the other side. Austin dives on it and the fans cheer for Double Bird. Close line onto the fencing and now a good old electrical cord. Whipped to a metal guardrail and Rock threw himself into it and we are back to the Sunday night fist fight. Austin finds a case and he rams it into Rock's head. Rock, though, recovers with a shot to the gut, and Rock uses said set of wheels to give himself a chance. Austin gets sent into a boom camera beam and eats a clothesline off the rebound. They are going big here. Austin's own darling clothesline and the crowd are now not even pausing for breath. One sustained cheer and about bloody time. We get back to ringside. and I enjoyed those 10 minutes so much that even I will forgive them a whip to the step spot this time. Austin stumps a mod hole, and Shane starts to taunt Austin. Rock tries to take advantage, but he gets an airborne, then a vicious clothesline all but beheads for challenger. Those poor old Spanish commentators get yet more unwanted attention. As Rock gets a low blow, then Rock bottoms Austin right down to the concrete. Rock commentates and threatens to make pinto beans out of a mocking fan's ass. There aren't too many mocking fans around these days. For the Rock, Shane blatantly throws a chair to Rock, but Austin is able to repel it. Rock, though, can still keep the ascendancy with some in-crowd brawling. And Shane tells him, we got it. We are not through with tables yet, as our commentary team are being drawn into things. Rock places Austin onto it, and commandeers a nearby camera, from which we now get to see. He mocks Austin as we see a shot of his prone body. We switch back to a crowd shot on the camera, and then, of course, Rock turns back into the fingers and a stunner. Of course he does. But it was still fantastic we then get a replay of what a stunner actually looks like and yeah it's hell raising back in the ring and both men are struggling austin goes for the stunner but rock sees him off right into shane inadvertent of course rock bottom but both guys are down shane gets up and drapes rock's arm himself but austin gets the shoulder up shane now has the world title belt he goes for austin but you know what happens there austin drapes the arm shane does count to two
5: referee Earl Hebner. We gotta do, do Del Dodo. My God, it was close. Vince McMahon has sent Earl Hebner in here. Vince McMahon has taken matter to his own hands.
2: And as you've just heard the one two three vince then tosses the smoking skull belt to austin and watches on from the aisleway. dan regardless of your thoughts in the previous two hours we really did need what we got here
3: yes we needed a big wdf style main event and my goodness we got one here this was the best rolling main event i think we've had since dude love austin almost a year ago and I
2: entirely you stole my line
3: Absolutely. <laughs> um, Yeah, the, these two guys just left it all out everywhere in the arena that alone in the ring um the rock is one of the most underrated brawls I think we've got in the industry at the minute I mean he's doing it all the same you know he's ho- holding up with Foley and Austin who are widely regarded as the, the shining lights of this style of wrestling and he's you know being he's keeping up with them not only for and he just brings that charisma to the equation which is just so entertaining but he's not afraid to get his ass kicked at the same time they're getting suplexed onto concrete and leaving those big giant sweat patches under the concrete as well just shows how much effort he's putting into this main event run he's had and he's rightfully deserved everything good that has come his way um and austin's austin i mean i've taken for granted but like how banged up he is and how many times we see him get injured but him still being able to put on classics like this with how banged up his body is 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 a marvel to behold and yeah i just thought this match was outstanding um and the again the table spot with the first person stunner is one of the best spots i think i've ever seen in my admittedly short time watching wrestling compared to To you guys, um, but still, it's so entertain. It's so entertaining, like, and that's why it's impossible to hate The Rock at this point because he just does stuff like this, which is so much fun. Um, And yeah, I'll touch on Vince apparently turning face. Um, It just shows you that if uh, you insult his father, and gives you, you know, Shane McMahon goes, I'll give you the word on my grandfather, Vincent James McMahon, breaks it. That was the, uh, the straw that broke the camels back for Vince and says, no, I've, I've got to put you in your place, son, literally. And uh, potatoes him. So good for him. Uh, is this mean we're going to get an alliance between Austin and Vince? We'll see that probably in the week's following TV. But for a match and an angle, I thought this was outstanding.
2: Bob, don't let us down now. I hated it
0: (laughs) on I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding I was so used to saying
2: that for all the other matches we're we're never sure these days Bob We're never sure
0: (laughs) yeah no this was terrific um, especially compared to anything else on this godforsaken show Uh, highly enjoyable I I enjoyed the uh, POV type of camera work by rock when he got stunned on the uh, announce table there I thought that was entertaining. Um, yeah, but it, it, sure. It's like just your basic brawl or whatever, but these guys are so good and so charismatic that it's just, it's going to carry it and uh, you're going to just highly enjoy it. Uh, McMahon getting involved clearly kind of shows his desperation for his daughter continually getting abducted mostly because of his wrongdoing that he's so desperate, for help that he's going to go to the guy that he's made his life a living hell for a year, um, try and get like a peace offering there. So that'll be weird to see how that goes. But for a match, um, I wouldn't say it's like a show saving match by any means, but if for whatever reason you're thinking about going to the store to buy this tape, just fast forward about two hours and 23 minutes in, And just watch the final 25 minutes or whatever it
2: is. Because everything before this is just not worth your time. Bob, would you say this match was better than the one they had at Mania? I would say so, just because they didn't have the restrictions, comparatively. Yeah.
0: That that always helps. Anytime you have a stipulation where you can essentially do whatever you want, more times than not, it's going to be better than just a straight-up
2: singles match, in my opinion especially when these two are so geared to that particular style. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. Though this was definitely better than their Mania match, which I did like as well. I do think I critiqued that one fairly closely, so if you missed that, check out our long Mania show with myself, Mr. White and Mr. Landstrom, where we somehow even made it to the end. I'm still not quite sure how we're not still talking about it now, to be honest with you. But we did all like this particular version of the match, but this one blew it out of the water. It was just so hot. That is the word. Everything about it was hot. The brawling was hot. The action was hot. The crowd were thankfully hot. The storytelling was hot. It was on point and the ending was nuclear. And I'll just, I will get to the ending again in a second. Inventive spots without them really killing themselves to do it. Yes, Austin did sustain a a wrist injury during this, but I think he is now okay how often do we see it? You know, somebody going through the chain link fencing by the entranceway. It sounds obvious to do, but nobody's ever done it before. And so when that happened, Austin gets thrown through and then be you know, supporting metal bars to come down. You're like, whoa, they are pulling out all the stops here. And it's probably as safe as you could possibly get, but it's like, wow, look what they're doing to each other. And throwing them into a boom camera. And <laughs> That wasn't the last we saw of a camera in the match. That well, these two are leaving it all out there. And you could tell watching it that this was the end of this particular chapter in the story for these guys. We'll talk about where The Rock goes a bit later on. And they just wanted to give us something highly memorable, especially as Austin was not a fan of the WrestleMania match. He was seen walking around backstage last month telling anybody who'd listen that he thinks he could do better. Well, if he certainly did here. And i Give Austin a look. Because if anybody could rest on their laurels these days in main events, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, he could throw punches for 15 minutes, and almost none of us would be none the wiser as to whether it was great or not, because we'd all love it, because we're so attuned to it. But if he thinks he's not getting it right, then fair play to him. And I, I hope, I haven't actually seen any comments either way, but I hope he was proud of himself for this one. And let's talk about the point of view stunner. I'm not trying to make my sound suits. So make myself sound super smart here, especially as I can't actually say it. But the very second we actually shot, we went to that camera pointing at the rock and the rock noticed it. I knew instantly what was going to happen. Yeah, rock's going to keep the camera until Austin gives him a stunner. And yes, that is exactly what happened. Did I enjoy it any less because of that? These days in pro wrestling, especially when you've got somebody like Vince Russo who loves to swerve people, bro, but sometimes just give people what they want. Yes, it's going to end with us seeing a stunner through a camera point of view lens. And that is what we got right in front of the lens, giving the <laughs> giving the finger and then falling down with the stunner. Bloody brilliant. And I thought they got the timing of the finish because there was still a lot to go at that point. They got it down pat to the very second. Now, there were no... Real issues where they were standing around. Everything was quick, quick, quick. Two count from Shane, outside, fingers up. Brilliant camera shot shows Vince and I happen to walk in towards him. Vince gently, just gently taps him as he goes goes past. Shane sees that as provocation, gets in Vince's face, hit with the belt, rock them with a belt shot, heaven is in for the two count, and then we get to the finishing sequence. It was incredibly st- Lick so much going on. I wouldn't have minded if it hadn't looked particularly watertight, but it did, and that is testament to everybody involved. This was a supreme example of the WWF style. I repeat what Dan said just now: easily the best main event since Dude Love versus Austin at Over the Edge '98, which was my match of the year and yours, Dan, as well. Yeah, '98. Yeah, yep. it wasn't our official podcast. Match of the year, but uh, never mind. Not that I'm bitter about that. I
3: really should have got more angry about that result I mean,
2: yeah, anyway. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, everybody, go back to our 1998 end of year review show and weep like I still do every single night. Anyway, this was a magnificent match. And Bob is quite correct to say, by all means, give the rest of the event a pass. <laughs> I won't mind too much, but you must must much watch this match for WWF doing what they give us every single month now this sort of style is nothing new but this was a pristine example of it the best I've seen for almost a year and I think it's going to take them a long time to come anywhere close to matching it
5: wait a minute Where to, Stephanie? Ah! <laughs> oh no! My God, the entertainment A next, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince doesn't even know it.
2: So, Vince is watching on from the aisleway, as we've said. So we cut back to the limo, which the acolytes are starting to make a move towards. So the gathered security tell the limo driver to drive, and then we switch to yet another helpfully provided camera. This time, inside the limo. Stephanie tells the driver to wait for her dad. He very helpfully (laughs) takes down the screen and asks, Where to, Stephanie? Yes, it is indeed the bloody Undertaker. Stephanie screams in the way that only she can. And the show doesn't end there because we get two more minutes of Austin celebrating, (laughs) which I thought was rather bizarre. We've got so much more Undertaker and stuff to discuss a bit later on. So we won't talk about it here too much, but I'll shoot to you first, Dan. By all means, bring that into your final rating and your score out of 10 for Backlash 1999.
3: Freddy, it's a Freddy Krueger, Jason movie that we've suddenly switched over to watch. You know, it's a mm-hmm. B-Horror movie villain. <laughs> Ugh, I'll save my brand for later on. Um, I, I obviously like this show more than most people. Um, so it depends on how much kind of you enjoy the undercard i think we both all agreed the two semi main event attractions were big duds but the main event is so so good that i kind of think that wipes out um i i'm gonna give this show i'm gonna be very positive here i'm gonna go say seven because there's so much like variety on the card again i like this card. there's comedy there's tag team wrestling there's there's a brilliant main event and did i get my money's worth out of the show i believe i did. And, again i think the undercard's better than what you know when bob thinks for example
2: and what most people seem to think as
3: well um i'm going to i'm going to say i'm going to be positive and say 7
2: okay 7 out of 10 bob i'll give you a couple of seconds to pull yourself up off the floor then you can mark the show out of 10 yourself i mean my heart just stopped when i
0: heard <laughs> 7 and worth my money uh this was not worth my money sure sure austin rock is, is a great match And all that stuff but i've never been the type of guy that says that that thinks hey one of eight were really great so that makes it worth my time uh if you were to ever go out of your way to want to buy this or watch it or whichever like i just said like 10 minutes ago just don't even bother with the undercard maybe the jarrett owen outlaws match you might want to check out for the tag team wrestling fans out there but aside from that i mean realistically Unless you're like a huge Bradshaw fan, because like he destroyed Shamrock guys, that's so they're clearly kind of making him a big. thing. Unless you're a huge Bradshaw fan, then you might love this show too. I don't know. I'm gonna give it a four out of ten, and a lot of that has to do with Austin Rock, because it, it is really good. And of course, the tag match is the tag title match or the number one contenders match isn't uh, horrible. You know, it's pretty solid, but everything else just wore me down. Triple H X Pac is just like one of the most disappointing matches I think I've seen in a long time and Shamrock and undertaker just gouge my eyes out now and just save me the time of ever having to watch that again. Like I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of variety on it, but I don't think of the variety is any good to be honest to be, in my opinion, I'm not again, Dan is super positive, more power to him. And, uh, I'm just a negative Nancy and just very critical of this stuff. I, I'd rather go watch Starcade 98 on repeat. Oh, come on. No, rewatch. <laughs> Give me WrestleMania 15, for Christ's sakes. So at least I saw a guy get hung and he died or would have probably been dead. That's pretty neat. I guess. I don't know. There's just For this, it's just torturous to me. Everything up until, for the most part, Austin Rock is just, why am I even bothering with this show? The limo scene. Again, just proves my point with Vince McMahon and his daughter. Why would you leave her in a limo by herself when there's like a group of nine dudes trying to take her and it's all televised. They know where she's at. There's, you know, they believe in, you know, they're all about Satan or whatever. So they can probably like smell her around too. Like, I don't know how that works. Just, I mean, just storytelling part, that's where I'm I'm heavy into the storylines. If you give me a good storyline, I'm going to be invested in it. So it's kind of ironic that I like WCW when their storylines are really nothing. But to me, it's just I, I get where they're going for. There's just so many plot holes to it that just leaves me like, this makes no sense to me. Like, why are we doing that? So Backlash 99 Recommendation to completely avoid, aside from Austin Rock, four out of ten. Maybe I need to start hanging out with Dan more and get a positive outlook on life or something. But
3: we'll, get, not, we'll put you on. We'll put you on a four seminar course on how okay. to how to blindly accept everything wrestling companies put in front of
0: you. Okay, thank you. I, it would make my life so much easier. It really would if I just loved everything. Four out of ten. I'm never going to talk about the show
2: ever again. Dan's definitely got a PhD in that one. And Bob, if you want to talk about Stark '98 again, which we did a few months ago, or you want to talk about WrestleMania '15, then that can be arranged. You know, I'm in charge around here. I can make these things happen if you really do. You Good could, Lord, no! You could leave to you could. You, 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 yes, you could leave, or you could live to regret those words. So, but I don't forget anything. <laughs> Said too much. Yeah, you most certainly did. <laughs> this, show, oh my God, this show. Yeah. <laughs> my opening thoughts seems about a very long time ago now Well, I was almost willing to forgive when I was what I did watch the show all in one sitting breaking it down match by match I feared that I would really uncover the stone and that's exactly what we did especially with the two matches before the main events now I, I disliked them even more than I did at the time I thought the undercard was serviceable before that more than had its problems and I think we broken them down I you know there was no nothing remotely approaching great on the undercard but i still thought other than the rather oddly placed opener it flowed quite well they matches were well paced the short matches that were meant to be inoffensive were like, things were moved on and it's only really when we got to the beginning of the third hour where i said i started to get bored well after big show mankind where You can question whether the match should have been booked in the first place. Nobody could say they were bored by that match. But then, no, Triple H, X-Pac, Shamrock Undertaker, totally the wrong types of match and at the wrong time. And I think they, more than anything else, probably affected my real enjoyment of this card. As great, and I mean legitimately great, as the main event was. So I'm going to go for a 5 out of 10, which again is probably less than I thought I was going to give this show. Um, if I was rating our reviewing our reviews then i would probably give them all 10 across the board because I've had an absolute whale of a time talking about it but um, 5 out of 10 for the show itself Backlash 1999 main event is a must, must, must watch that final roar of the month sees a shaken Vince stepping out of his limo flanked by the Associates. It's going to be a, a long night. After the intro we see Rock coming down to ringside and finally he has come back to Hartford. Austin might still be trailer park trash and the WWF champion, but Rock walked out of backlash, the people's champ. He has a score to settle with Shane McMahon and here come the corporation. Shane handed the title to him on a silver platter last night, but the Rock let the corporation down. He is too concerned with the people and is a loser. The Brahma Bull is full of BS if you smell what the boss is cooking. Rock fends off a cheap shot from Triple H and then nails China, but the corporation then gets the better of him and Shane McMahon says your ass is fired. Rock's response? You challenge Shane one on one. Vince is not going to go to the cops. He's going to play it Undertaker's way. The Brew take on Kane and X-Pac. Kane pins Edge for the win and retention of the titles with a chokeslam. He gets a bloodbath afterwards though and then lashes out at X-Pac. He does the same in hour two, but then carries the little one to safety. Phone rings backstage and it's Taker on the blower to Vince. Stephanie is fine, she's real fine. Vince will give him the documents confirming controlling interest in the company he wants. Taker says he had better or he will never see Steph again. Oh and as for those documents, he wants Austin to deliver them. And Stone Cold is now in the ring. Last night, he overcame the odds doing exactly what he said he was going to do. But now, here is Vince who needs Austin's help. This isn't about you and me. Austin makes Vince say, Vince McMahon needs Stone Cold Steve Austin. But SCSA has a long memory. So, Stone Cold Steve Austin needs Vince McMahon to kiss his ass. I guess Vince will have to take the documents himself. Val vs. D is next. Brown gets the win. And then Nicole Bass sees off Ivory and then Venus himself. Mr. Ass goes against Triple H. Gun lands awkwardly on an arm drag right on his knee. Roadhog tries to help but China blocks him off and Helmsley wins with the pedigree. Despite, or because of, last night, Mankind and Show team up versus Test and Bossman. Sokka gets the win on Test whilst the Bossman runs away from Big Show. The corporation members exchange words and blows afterwards. Jarrett is pissed off that Huggy Bear is not putting putting his IC title on the line. Godfather eventually exceeds, but if he wins Deborah becomes one of the hosts, and he does win after a roll-up because Val came down, then ran away because Nicole came down. <sighs> Owen though prevents Deborah being part of the train. Shamrock is jumped by Farouk before his match with Bradshaw, but then Test offers some assistance, and then the back does the rest. Shane vs Rock now. Rock gets the rock bottom and what is now the People's Elbow again, but Helmsley is in via the crowd. The posse block off the officials, and then Triple H, China, and Shane beat Rocky down. Then Stephanie gets led into the building in a black dress, and we are going to talk about the rest of that right now.
1: Darkness.
5: Oh, wedlock. It's a marriage Tonight, ceremony.
1: Stephanie Marie McMahon will step from the light on this evil cesspool mortal world into the sanctuary of eternal darkness. Keeping this in mind. Will you, Stephanie Marie McMahon accept the purity of evil and take the Lord of darkness
5: as your master and your spouse? Hell no, she's not. Wait a minute, look, look there's Shamrock, Kim Shamrock, Shamrock with a ball back. But Shamrock taken down quickly by the acolytes. Oh God! Oh, that's 500 pounds of viscera. Just broke Shamrock apart. They trapped him. They trapped him before he had a chance to use that bell. That bastard! Hold on, man. It, hold on. Uh, hold on. Uh, uh, if it gets bad, batons. we'll make our move. Not until then. You gotta just, just trust me.
1: Just chill out. To accept Stephanie Marie my man, her body, her Marie. mind her soul, and even her breath unto yourself. And allow her to bear your offspring. No!
5: Oh, yes. Look at the Big Show, the Big Show's here. It's showtime. And the Big Show is called Farouk. And here comes the big man, Visra, attacking the Big Show right hand by the Big Show's getting through the line of defense. The Big Show is swinging. The Big Show is destroying whatever. Oh God! Oh, Undertaker just shot that baseball bat. Undertaker just hit the Big Show with the ball bat. And they're on him now. They're by on the him. power invested in me
1: by the Lord of Darkness, I now pronounce you as the unholy union of darkness. You may now kiss
5: your bride. Oh, for God's sake, God, here it he comes, so cold. So cold. don't call, don't call, don't call, the Undertaker, going toe to toe, Midian from behind, Austin fight for all he's got, the Sarah There. He didn't do it for the love of Vince McMahon. There goes Nessera. He just did it because it was right. What a shot. Stone Cold, weapons in hand assaulting the Ministry. Stone Cold, I guarantee you, he didn't do this for Vince McMahon. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do.
2: So a few things to discuss before we finish for the month. And yes, right there, you did indeed hear Stephanie McMahon saying thank you in very breathy tones to one Steve Austin as she was being hugged by her father, Vince McMahon. If you didn't see Raw last week, you would have been listening to that thinking, was that some sort of a black wedding or something? As it she be the first thing that comes to your mind based on all that particular mumbo jumbo. And lo and behold, you would be correct. Yes, guys, we've got to talk about it now. So, The Undertaker, The Undertaker. This one has been coming for a long, long time. Ever since, cool, oh, goodness me, the embalming way, way back in, when was that? November time? Your famous words, Dan. We could all do with less embalming. That's where this all really begun. Undertaker is now basically, his character is Satan incarnate. And he has taken it upon himself to, oh, I can't really put this mildly, abduct female members of the roster. Now he tried it with Sable at the end of last month. He successfully did it with Ryan Shamrock at the beginning of April. He managed to get his hands on Deborah as well. But he has one prize and one prize only, and that is Stephanie McMahon. As you would have heard through the TV reports I've given you this uh, this particular month's edition, he was building up, building up, building up. And as you heard on Backlash, he finally was able to get her by, Bob says, Vince McMahon being really quite stupid. So she turns up Again, kicking and screaming, clad in a black dress, so you know where this one's going. Midway through the edition of Raw, she is tied at the end of the show to a symbol. Again, very careful to call it that, Undertaker symbol these days, prepared for the ceremony. Oh my God, I'm reading this stuff and just making my skin fucking crawl. At least Paul Bearer was... Now, i feel like paul bear has been a bit too quiet recently he was excellent in this as the justice of the peace if that's the right expression and what was it he said the oh, what was the exact word he used now <laughs> together in unho dearly unbeloved that was his line yeah tremendous <laughs> dearly unbeloved so that was good so who is going to help stephanie mcmahon from her particular plight here before the undertaker has very literally her wicked way with her well vince mcmahon could have done if he had acceded to The Undertaker's demands, which were supplying Undertaker with paperwork, which I believe is ownership of the company. Why would Undertaker want that? Never mind. But Undertaker wanted Steve Austin to deliver it to him. You with me so far? I don't blame you if you're not. So Vince, in the middle of Raw, before Steph turns up, tells Austin that he needs Steve Austin's help, and you can guess what Austin thinks about that. So what is going to happen? As you would have heard there, Stephanie is doing her I'm really quite scared acting, (laughs) acting being the unoperative word. Shamrock comes down to try and help, but of course he's a mid-carder these days, as we discussed. He doesn't get very far. Big Show tries, he gets a little further, but in the end, no dice. We're almost there. It is now time to kiss the bride. And then, of course, Austin appears, raises hell, sees off The Undertaker, (laughs) gets unties Stephanie from the symbol of demonic destruction. What the fuck am I saying? And then she reunites with Vince, who gives Austin a thank you, and Austin is typically give a shit. Okay, then, Dan. You might call this one a bit of a hospital pass, but I'm going to deliver it to you anyway. What the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> i mean what the fuck <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah yeah that's about sums it up really um okay so i, I have quite complicated feelings on this entire storyline really because as you can probably tell from my previous appearance on the show i don't mind silly stuff in wrestling so when i'm of you know explain to people why i like this stuff i say it's soap opera for sports fans and this is ultimate soap proper stuff. I mean, it's stupid, it's silly, you've got dirty Den Watts as the villain here that we can all root behind, you know, can we all hate and love to hate and think it's stupid and that sort of stuff. And I don't like if you're gonna do a storyline of this satanic cult wanting to take control of this company and make it its personal evil plaything, uh in in when you're writing it, I think is workable. Let's put it that way. But it's the people doing it that just makes it just such crap. Like, just bad TV to watch it, and you're going, oh, this is so stupid, I want to like it, but I really can't, because The Undertaker is bad as this person, that like, he's not very good actor, he's wooden, he's not very good in the ring, he can't do the right matches, he's s- silly. <laughs> and then the Black Wedding stuff, it's like, you're, you're just waiting for something, Yeah, you know, you're wanting to you're getting under comfortable feelings towards it because obviously there's there's undertones to this sort of stuff you've got the virtuous stephanie mcmahon who's you know early doors in her, into her career but i think she plays you know sweet innocent you know un, untouched virginal, you know all this sort of stuff pretty well even though because because a new character but and then it's all ruined by the undertaker I, I mean it's not nice way but austin comes out raises hell for a minute punches the undertaker twice and then he walks out the ring.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
3: It's like, what do you... This is meant to be the Prince of Darkness, Satan himself. And, oh, I've just been punched twice. So that's me away. Oh, you gas at the Austin. How could you do this to me? It, it's just stupid. Like, I, I really want to get behind this story. I, again, power positivity here. I really want to like this and get on board with it. But I just can't because the man driving this and is meant to be the man who is... We're meant to invest in and get behind and hates and just you know as satan himself is just not capable of doing the role which is you know a problem when he's the main focal point of this storyline can you imagine like for example if i said to you that yeah we're doing a big storyline where the the owner of the company is going to be in the feud with the main baby face of the company and they can't have any matches together. They need to have a big star performer to do it, and they got it in Vince McMahon, who has run, took the ball and run with it so much. Now on the other side, where we're going to have right, we're going to do a big storyline with a Santa, satanic cult taking over the company and becoming, and he's going to be our top heel for the rest of the year. They need to have a big character wrestler to do that. And Undertaker is not that guy.
0: Bob, show no mercy. I can appreciate on a level of of what they're trying to do like dan said this is this is soap opera at its worst and this is and that's what the WWF is that's what it's always been WWF is always going to be your soap opera and wcw is always going to be your wrestling That's just how it always is when the soap opera stuff is really good it's really good when it's really bad it's just like why the hell do i watch this bad this is on that level and there's for me, for my approach, it's just a lot of things that I I can't connect with at all. Number one, I've never my my sister was never tried to be abducted by anybody that was like an occult or anything, so I can't relate to that. Um, my dad's not a complete moron, so can't relate to that. Um, but like, how many times has Undertaker tried to abduct Stephanie alone? It seems like almost a handful of times at this point. And he's failed to do it. I know before he you know he tried to get Sable or something, and then Ryan Shamrock. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe he likes blondes. Now he's going after a brunette. So who know Maybe when a redhead comes in, he'll change and go for her. I don't know what's going on. The whole, but this whole idea with Steve Austin and Vince is just item. I'm not digging it at all because if I'm still in cool Steve Austin. And Vince is like, oh, my daughter is, you know, gonna get kidnapped or whatever. I'd be like, oh, but that sucks, dude. Fuck off. Because of what everything he's done to me for the last year. Why am I gonna help you? Where where is the how what is possibly gonna positively impact me? Nothing. You're my top rival. Shit's not going well for you. I'm just going to hang out over here and and be the WF world champion and let you deal with it. But now it's just like stone. So cool. It isn't like the superhero guy to me. Like he's, he's a badass beer drinking dude. He's not a Hulk Hogan in a Cape and he's going to save the girl in distress to me. So that part doesn't really connect to me at all either. And undertaker is at best when he doesn't talk. So when he's literally pretending to be dead or a zombie or whichever, that's his most interesting. Half the stuff this guy's talking about, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. So again, I can't connect to that. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it later on here with, with the first episode of SmackDown. At least I hope so, because I'd love to get a rant on that. I just I don't know. I, I just want simple rustling angles, and this is multiple layers of just bullshit that I I really have no idea what, why they're doing it or even what the attempt is anymore. I don't even know why I'm a wrestling fan anymore. And I blame anybody associated with wrestling 20 years ago for that. So I am resentful towards all of you dance positivity, hate it. Just everything. Like, why am I even talking still? I don't even know. I'm just filling time because this show has deflated me so much. I just, I don't, I don't even know anymore. Rory, just help me out.
2: Just tell me that you hate it and we can all just day, move on. At the end of the day, it's, it's yeah, it's my Oh, okay. I'll take the blame. Okay. It is, oh, your fault. This is my fault. We plan. could have easily skip this show. We could have skipped... Responsibility. We, could have... we could skip
0: 20 years from now, from 1999. And I'm sure, we... like, I, I would
2: doubt that The Undertaker is even wrestling 20 years from now. A compelling case like that, Mr. <sighs> Cohen. I cannot God. skip any shows. I'm sorry we had to talk about this. No, we had to talk about this world-class paperback <sighs> backlash 99. We have to talk about a black wedding on television. No. Well, the, I, so, I, I don't make the rules, but if it makes you feel any better, you can blame me. Well, another thing about the Black Wedding, okay? Is there a reason
0: why that had to happen in the ring? Like, did he want it <laughs> to be a public thing? So like, you're trying to do this. Why don't you just have it, like, <laughs> somewhere where nobody knows where it's at? Like, but even then, you're like, well, how is there a camera there? So there's just so many things. Because there's got to be a guy holding a camera. <laughs> like, why is he not doing it? So there's so many things about this that to suspend your disbelief, it's, like, really difficult to do that. Oh, pretty But, true. again, if you're approaching it as a soap opera, I guess you're able to do that. But, like, come on. You're basically just asking yourself, we're right here in the middle of the ring. There's 75 dudes in the back. I doubt one anybody's going to come out here to save this teenage girl or whatever, 22-year-old girl, however, however old she is. I doubt anything's going to happen. And then they do. And they're just like, what? And then, like, two punches. It, like, damn it two punch i could take two punches and not run <laughs> i'm probably going to be hurt a little bit but i'm not going to run away give me a break good lord i'm tougher than a freaking undertaking leading
2: satanist group okay don't worry I'll give, I'll give you something good to talk about in a second or at least i hope so, so oh, my, good, my heart yeah, is about back, to come back. out of my chest i'm gonna have be, a heart Deep breath, deep breath. Count to three. Right. Come on, you can do it. Right. We, we, we're almost there. We can do this together. Come on. All
0: right. I appreciate the support, guys. You
2: guys have, in <laughs> extremely lucid detail, summed up everything that really needs to be summed up about this particular horror show. And I'm not going to repeat it because you guys have made the point candidly and extra <laughs> all, all too well, it must be said. <laughs> all too well. Just yeah. to say, this is all supposedly Vince Russo's doing. He wanted to do this. Because oh, Stephanie's been coming along to shows recently, and he thought that she would make an on-screen character by a fair few accounts. She didn't particularly want to do it, but you know, she's a McManus. She really going to be able to say no when if Dad also asks fairly politely. And she's doing her best in this role, and she's, you know, she's just not cut out for it. That's not really her fault. No, she's got two acting faces. She's got the naive, giddy schoolgirl one, which I say throws this and makes it. Even more uncomfortable if that's possible, and she's got her scared face, which just looks like she's been told that she can't have any more MMs. You know, it's it's, it's it's if I'm just calling it as it is, it's not her fault. You know, none of these guys are actors, I don't expect Screen Guild stuff on here. But a situation where a, a grown man who thinks he is Satan incarnate, let's face it, is capturing a 22 year old girl and effectively having a forced marriage with her if you're i can't believe i'm saying if you're going to okay oh, Ms. Walters, if you're going to do that you need to have the audience to do that for it needs to be something on i don't know the sci-fi channel or here in the uk something a late drama shown at 1 a.m in the morning on bbc2 something like that not your traditional wrestling audience because you can't get it right I mean, the crowd weren't even really booing this. They weren't horrified. They were just there. All they wanted to see was Austin come out and do what they knew he was going to and smack people around a bit, which is fine. And that did happen. And it was that catharsis and everybody cheered and Vince got his daughter back and all is well in the context of that storyline. But it's one of those where if you're going to do this, you have to go all the way with it. But regardless of, the Fed, they don't really care about what mainstream media say. Yes, that's right. But they can't go all the way with it. Now, this stuff would be straying into R21 territory if they did. And not even Vince McMahon is that stupid. Well, or at least I don't think he is. So they've got to have it cut off by Austin. And it probably won't even be talked about again next week. Now, even on Smackdown the next day, which we'll get to in a, in a moment, it's almost seen as incidental. And Vince Russo wants to write these storylines, but because this is pro wrestling, he doesn't have the freest of free reign, which I'm not particularly complaining about because I don't want to see that on my television. This is still a professional wrestling show. A Black Wedding only has one outcome. You're not going to get to see that on here, which renders the whole thing pointless. And when you've got The Undertaker there mumbling in Latin, like there's no emotional connection. We know Austin's going to come to say this, to me, the only laudable thing about this is that the suggestion, at least at the moment, that they might be inching Vince babyface on this one, I'll give you a bit of backstage news. That is probably not the long-term plan that somewhere Vince is going to turn back heel again at any time soon. But I'm quite I'm although I don't like how we've got there, I'm kind of digging Vince, like I said earlier, just taking a step back from being the evil heel owner one thing as well which terrifies me and i hope this does not happen that there's a suggestion that again this is vince russo talking a suggestion that eventually stephanie will go along with the undertaker and i hope dearly hope that does not happen and what sort of message does that send no you're kidnapped forced against your will doing god knows what and then you go along with them oh i really hope that one hits the cutting room floor but we have to talk about it because everybody everybody is talking about this but maybe just maybe there are things in life better than being talked about and that would be not being talked about
4: i practically handed you the world wrestling federation championship last night on a silver platter but no the Rock has to let the corporation down. The Rock has to entertain his millions and the millions of The Rock's fans. You have to get on the people's headset. And then Rock, what do you do? This is a first, you get on the people's camera. Rock, what happened there? Stunner, boom, uh-uh. Rock, what you should have done is roll Steve Austin in here. And you could be standing in front of me, the World Wrestling Federation champion, But instead. You stand in front of me as a loser. Rock, it is you who is the big piece of monkey crap.
5: Man, this is getting very personal. Monkey crap.
1: Shane The Rock says, That this Brahma Bull is gonna take his sharp horns, turn them sideways, and stick them straight up your candy ass.
4: I think the Brahma Bull is full of BS. And Rock, I'll tell you one thing right now. You better take your attitude out of my face if you smell what the boss is cooking.
1: Jabroni, you are three seconds away. And The Rock means three
5: seconds away from The Rock to lay the smack down on your candy ass. Well, I don't see any backup. Not in either one of them, JR. Hey, wait a minute. Triple H trying to get a cheap shot in. It's China with a shot. I tell you what, she puts herself in a man's position here. And The Rock oh! is going to treat her like a man, and The boss Man from behind. The, the Rock is down and the corporation is- Where Shane McMahon directing traffic. He, Shane's trying to settle things down, he's trying to keep the corporation back. Oh, Shane McMahon no! wanted a shot for himself. Shane McMahon. Every single one of them had a shot at The Rock. Got that police nightstick in his throat. And now Helmsley with a free shot right to The Rock's head. And the boss man has come to get him some. hear me out.
4: Shane McMahon says your ass is fired.
2: Garbis has been an eventful month. So you would have heard there The Rock being kicked out of the corporation by Shane McMahon. Because all Rock is concerned about these days is with the people. And that's all it was. The Rock is baby face again. He's face again by the end of the show. And everybody is cheering that particular fact. He was accepted as a face very, very quickly. So, Bob, I'll come to you first on this one. So, The Rock is a face, and I think it had to happen. Pretty much Mm -hmm. since Rock Bottom, it's been virtually impossible to boo the man. Just ludicrously entertaining, off the charts. People have wanted to cheer him, and now they've got their chance. So, one... I mean, I'll come to you on that one, but I'm sure that's pretty obvious. And two, uh, what do you think his ceiling is now as a baby face?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt you have to make him a baby, baby face. But kind of as a heel is getting to a point where it's ineffective. Yeah. You know, everybody's doing their the catch fre- catchphrases and everything. It's hard not to like the guy. He's He's highly entertaining. As for his ceiling, he could be the next guy to overcome Steve Austin to me. I think there's only a, a certain amount of time for the beer-drinking, guzzling, brawling guy before that gets stale. It got stale with Hogan. It got stale with Brett as the underdog. It o- it always, ha- or Sean even, as being the, the greatest in-ring guy and all that stuff. It comes to an end. And I think with The Rock, he has enough depth to him that he could have a longer run as a top baby face than what stone cold Steve Austin could have. Not to say that stone Cold's running out of steam by any means, but I think there's a amount of, amount of time there where it's just like, you know what? We've seen this act a lot, especially if you were to continue feuding with McMahon's that can't go on forever. The rock has fresh matchups too. It's not like he's rustled all these main event guys, dozens of times, or even a handful of times. And he just, ha- he has more charisma than I think Steve Austin does. I would say he's more entertaining than Steve Austin is as well. So I think the the ceiling here is, is is as high as he wants it to be and how far the WF wants to do it. So if the WF ever gets to a point where it's like, you know what, Steve Austin's not really worth our time or, you know, the headache of whatever may be going on, you have a guy right there in, in the rock that is, I think, right now, like for baby face, Austin's clearly the one rock is two, but I think within a, f- maybe by the summer, like summer slam or something, you could maybe even elevate it to being like a one, a one B type of situation. Because I think the rock has that kind that kind of potential to be over. And I don't, I don't even know why really they turned him heel in, in 98 or whatever, because that was for like three months in the grand scheme of things. They were just trying to maybe stretch it out. He should have been babyface for the whole time. If he was, if he had been a babyface the whole time, he might have even catapulted over Steve Austin at this point. I have, I, I like The Rock a lot. I think he's highly entertaining, and he's a babyface that I can
2: get behind, probably for the foreseeable future. Well said, Dan. I'm really excited about this one.
3: I agree with everything Bob said. Um, it's perfectly timed, and it's. The ceiling for him is however the company want him to go. He's got it all the look, the charisma, the mic skills, the in ring work, the variety of in ring work. He can do brawling, he can do athleticism. Um, yeah, I just think this guy's a star in the purest sense of the word. Like, we didn't talk about the stuff he was doing before the match of Austin, but like it's impossible to boo a guy who is, you know, mouthing off on the top of a bridge, throwing a guy off the, throwing a guy off a bridge and then showing up to a funeral in a tanned unbuttoned suit with sunglasses on. World class. It's just impossible, yeah. you know? And yeah, I, I, I disagree with Sully that, you know, he, since what bottom, cause I think we were booing him after I quit and stuff with McFoley. but yeah, since, since Valentine's Day massacre, I would say it's probably been yeah, impossible okay. to, yeah. I mean, the SmackDown hotel sing along that he did the POV stunner. It's just impossible to, to boo this man because he's so bloody entertaining and in the WWF entertaining, is always more important. And the other practical thing we've got to talk about is that we've mentioned it before, how long can Austin hold out with a bad neck, bad knees, bad hands, bad backs, everything right now. Austin now has the luxury where he could go off and take time off to heal and they've got someone in the rock who maybe not is not there now, but give him a couple of months and he could easily be the WW champion as the babyface, as the number one babyface for months on end just to give Austin that time off to heal, and come back stronger. And then you've got both of them. You know, and that's dream scenario levels are here where you've got You know, when Hogan and Warrior were there in the early 90s, we were thinking this is never going to happen again. And it's happened
2: eight years after that, which is stunning to me. I think the sky is the limit for this guy as a face. Just to say, the reason I picked up Rock Bottom as the sort of touchstone for Rock going back face, because if memory serves correctly, that's the first time he commentated on his own match. I said on our February show, we were viewing some Valentine's Day Massacre that I thought they might try and turn in face the day after WrestleMania. They managed to hold it off for one more month to tie up all the loose ends with the Austin stuff. And even then, we still got gold with the bridge and the funeral and all that. There's nowhere else for him to go. I always got the sense that The Rock, you know, the guy, Dwayne Johnson, was, and this is no criticism, was going into business for himself at, at times where he was doing his doing his catchphrase and the crowd was singing it for him and he'd just say once or twice ah, you might as well just say it at that point we knew it, and he knew that it was just wait to get the call backstage as yep we're gonna flip you and now they've done it they did it in quite a simple way really they didn't really no this wasn't a slow burn they haven't dragged it out the corporation chain in particular thinks he's getting too close to the people you're out the group that's all people needed uh, I love the slow burn turns. Here it was just a case of let's get that out of the way quickly so we can do what we want, and that's cheer this off the ch- I don't even think a chart has been invented, which can really convey how entertaining this guy is and even how much he can be. I have no issue whatsoever with him being number two face for a little while. You could put him with upper mid-carders. You could even drop him down to the mid-card. It's not going to be a demotion. And then I would have no issue with him going. Just sod and do it on pay per view. Austin Rock, one more time, face v face. It'd be fascinating to see who the crowd support on that one, but it's there for them if they want to do it. And that is a proverbial license to print money. Now, The Rock can. One more thing as well. I'm sure this is going to happen, but when The Rock was baby faced last time, but you know, that was three years ago. No. Nah. They're mocking that sort of baby face now with the blue blazer character. They're not going to have the rock out with the Chia Pet hairstyle and just being happy to be there and the huge, stupid smile and the feathers. No, he's going to be the same guy, but just now you've got the freedom to cheer him. And that is brilliant. And I am going to be there every single week to see where they go with this guy. I don't see them messing it up. He's ready for it. He's got the smash-mouth style that works as a face these days. It's all there. It's just a case of whether they choose to capitalise. And I'm going to be positive and say before too long, they will.
4: Initially, has not spoken by our own choice. And then later, it was forbidden <laughs> by The Undertaker. Well, when the brood entered this world, we craved the guidance. That guiding light to show us the way. And that was The Undertaker. Well, unfortunately the undertaker's thoughts and feelings were not the same as ours. <laughs> we're in the darkness, we seek a much different light. We live our collective lifestyles for who we are and what we believe in. In this search of the mystery of life in the hereafter. And the power is what we seek. And it's within all of us. And we just have to unleash it. <laughs> Well, with all due respect, some say, some say they don't understand your lifestyle and others, others quite frankly, think the brood are basically off the charts. They will understand. Understanding is just a matter of time. The power lies within us. And it's up to us to find it. We are who we are, the unholy trio. And we will become what we will become. For those who believe, will follow. For those that don't, will merely exist. So Doc, I suggest that you beware, take care. Because the freaks come out at night.
1: (laughs) What the hell was that?
2: Two hours and 30 minutes of recording, and we're still not done. We have a whole new television show to discuss. Yes, we do. Smackdown. A couple of notable things I will talk about on the show, which is a was storyline, was canon. Shane McMahon forming a group with the ministry. Now, he headed the corporation... They are called the Ministry, so they are, of course, called the Corporate Ministry. That is a really dumb name. Great. Just call them the Unholy Alliance. That's what everybody wants to call them anyway. And then we had a fairly hot but brief tag team match between Austin and Rock and Undertaker and Triple H, which ended in Vince sacrificing himself again, inching babyface for the sake of Steve Austin. So, Dan, just say we're not going to go through the show blow by blow but what did you think of the show as a whole do you think they've got the they've got the breadth to sustain another two hours on tv every single week if they do do this next month and of course i will give you a chance to talk about the brood promo as well take any of that as you wish um right so the the really important stuff of the corporate ministry
3: uh at least we've now got a leader who is going to take the microphone away from the Undertaker, hopefully, and <laughs> Yeah,
2: Good call, good call.
3: Um, that's literally worth the entire angle right there. Um, do I think they've got enough to do it? The answer right now is no. Um, their roster, in-ring roster, is is shallow at best, and trying to fill out four hours of wrestling TV with that roster right now is probably a bit too far and particularly amount of storylines, not just the big stuff, but all the little stuff like Al Snow's madness with the hardcore title and the Godfather's hose and all this sort of stuff. It's like, can you really get four hours of TV out of that? And I don't think they can, they need to go on a recruitment drive if they want to do that, in my opinion. Um, And the problem I had with the show overall, again, it was fun to watch. I didn't mind it, but it just felt like another RAW with blue lighting now instead of red. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just didn't, do I need to go and see this show if I want to watch something a bit different? And the answer right now is no either. And that's the problem I have with Funder on WCW. It's just another show with some extra, but they've got the roster to do it. They just don't have the booking. So if we could combine the roster of WCW and the booking, I don't know, I don't want to say masterclass, but at least the prominence of booking and, and storylines with WWF, we might have a decent program, but we can't. So... For me, right now, I think it's a bit of a stretch too far. I think I need to expand the roster a bit further. Because if you if you want to use some of your lesser talents, you get absolute gems of segments like the brew promo, where you get free guys who have had no mic a microphone work at all, come out and speak for the first time and tell us all what the brew's about. Um, and I would assume will never ever speak again in their entire WWF careers because good. God, they can't talk. Gangrel can't speak over his prophetic teeth. You know, <laughs> such slivering—it's terrible. And then Edge comes on the phone with the m- most ridiculously fake, high-pitched voice you'd ever heard in your life, with his stupid sunglasses on. I liked Edge beforehand. Now I never want to hear him on the microphone ever again. They will understand. It's <laughs> only a matter of time. This is terrible. Look, like Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm media wanting Christian to get a decent mid card run because at least I know he, he might not have bad promo because he didn't speak. Oh, like honestly, that was an example of when you've got a roster which isn't stacked and you have to fill time with your mid carders and your lower mid carders and they're not ready. That's the sort of terrible TV that you could get. Um, so, with me. It's a bit of a stretch too far right now but that could change in i don't know six months timeline when they've got some more guys in but right now i was saying it's a bad idea
2: yeah that brood promo oh my word we've waited six months and that's what we get i mean gangrel both looked and sounded like Viv savage from spinal tap and as for edge and what was the (laughs) beware take care like he was like it was... How can I even put this? It sounded like somebody impersonating a vampire whilst reciting the lines from a public service announcement on how to cross the road. You've <laughs> <laughs> just blown me. No, that, 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 is, that is the best I could come up with. It's just... Just never let it happen again. Christian just walked away from the mic. He he had the right idea. Now he you know I'm just trying to protect our mistake a little bit here, guys. But oh my well, at least he didn't, have to pay, he didn't have to pay for the privilege of hearing the brood speak. Well, hopefully the last time. Uh, Bob on that promo and anything else you saw in the two hours of the inaugural edition of SmackDown.
0: Well, uh, yeah, the, the brood promo was was horrible. I didn't I didn't even I didn't like how I believe it was Hayes that they were talking to. And he was just like, yeah, oh, it's just a gimmick. Like completely just throwing that out there. Like, Oh, you guys aren't really vampires or whatever. No, like, well, you hate anything about
2: that on TV. I hate, hate I, I hate
0: it. It's, you know, it's just, you're watching the show because you want to you know, believe these things. And you're just, like, oh, you're just faking it. Like I despise that. Uh, as for like SmackDown, it, it's a good idea, but they don't have the depth. They don't have the depth to fill Raw and Heat, for goodness sakes, let alone Raw, a SmackDown, and a Heat. So you're going to have six hours of television. WCW has the depth, and they can't even do it. So what does that tell you? Less is more. I don't know why in wrestling we we think that we need to have all this airtime. If Raw was an hour still, it'd be probably the best hour that you would get but now it's, you know, you got two hours and you want to do another two hours of SmackDown. I mean, how much giant Silva matches do you really want to have to sit through? (laughs) Like not a lot. I would have to think, but with this idea, you're probably going to see him maybe two out of three of the shows. That's way too much. I'd rather see him never. So that's just insane. So, but Dan's right. You got, you got to bring in some more guys, probably go to, you know, grab guys from ECW or something and, bring them in under stupid gimmicks and then have them just rotate out eight months later or whatever, but they have to get more people. Uh, The corporate ministry thing is just, it, it blows my mind that Shane McMahon hates his sister that much that he is now with the guys that are trying to abduct her. He's now with them. So is he trying to abduct her? I don't understand. So, Like what? What the hell? Clearly, Undertaker has taken a liking to her, and now Shane can be there like, "Hey, dude, don't worry, I can get her for you," or something. Like it doesn't. Stephanie must be a a hateable person for her brother to essentially turn on her, (laughs) to align with a guy who wants to. I would imagine take advantage of her. It just blows my mind. It's just incredible. It's just awful. Um and another thing, another like really stupid note that I have in my head here. I if I remember correctly, like test was on this show, right? I think he had a match. That guy cannot run the ropes to save his life. So I just want to point that out. I I was laughing hysterically when I watched, I think he fought Big Show. And it yes. I laughed hysterically. It was like a 40 second match, and I was laughing 10 minutes after it was over because he, he doesn't know how to run the ropes and, and he's getting a push on television or he's on actively on television, which just blows my mind. But yeah, the SmackDown show as a whole, um, as I continue to, to ramble here, uh, the SmackDown show as a whole wasn't awful. Um, but you're going to die. You're going to dilute your angles and, they're not going to feel as important on RAW if you were to have SmackDown. Because really that SmackDown to me could have been the next week's RAW. So you're already cutting potentially your your storytelling in half, considering the roster depth that they have. So the roster depth problem that they have. So I, I would say hold off on it until a little, maybe a little later or something. But you know, money talks, so they'll they'll probably end up doing it and their product as a result may suffer similar to what WCW has encountered.
2: I am prepared to, as they say, let it play out and see where it goes. If they do go weekly for the SmackDown show. Thing is with Thunder, they didn't pilot it. They just went straight out there in January ninety-eight because the Turner yeah. Big Brass said so. And I think they've been playing catch up on it ever since. Here the Fed have been wise. They found some time in their schedule to fit this show in. You know, they recorded it in Connecticut, so they didn't have to travel far to it. So if it did, you know, fall flat on its face, they could almost just bury under the carpet straight away here they put it out there they're very pleased with the way the show went i agree with you bob this could easily have been held back for the next week's Raw from start to finish and you wouldn't have battered an eyelid they won't be able to do that going forward if smackdown does indeed go from week to week to week and i just wonder if much like thunder it's going to be the supplementary show rather than the second storyline show whether it will be effectively skippable if you want to keep on chart, keep abreast of the storylines. Because let's face it, nobody watches WWF weekly programming for the matches now. You can at least you can tune in, tune out to WCW TV, and you're get, gonna get a fairly decent Cruiserweight match, if nothing else. If you hit two stars in a Federation TV match these days, you've done extremely well. If you want to keep on top of the storylines. I'm going to stick my neck out and say you will just be able to keep tabs on Raw and just maybe just have done with the recaps that they are bound to show you. But I'm projecting we don't even know if this is going to be a weekly show yet, but it could be next month is all we're talking about. Yep. Good on the Fed for giving the opportunity to do so because let's face it, they are so hot right now. They're destroying WCW by two points on nitro and this is really just them trying to stick their nose in the dirt we're beating you now every single week with our flagship show on a monday and now you put out a show later in the week and we're going to do one ourselves and we're going to beat you on that as well because i'm vince mcmahon and we can do that in its own right i'm not going to recommend anybody if they miss it to necessarily seek it out but it was by no means a disaster (laughs) the uh promo aside and I just hope that if they do choose to go, five hours of fresh programming every single week plus pay per views doesn't burn people out. Certainly not burn out the talent. And it must be said, burn out the writing team as well. Speaking of burnout, we have been recording this show for two hours and 40 minutes. And what with all the play ins and everything, you have probably been listening for three hours, dear listener. <laughs> wow. I've <I'm> just. <laughs> Wow! Wow! And wow again. Bob Colling, thank you for joining us on this show. I know you enjoyed it as much as we did. I mean, I enjoy talking to you guys about the show. I did not enjoy watching <laughs> probably, the show, which is probably just as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bob, it's an absolute pleasure. I'll come back to you in a sec. And Dan, wow, well, Dan, what's a fading me at this point? Just yeah, we're, we're at the end of this show. Yeah used to find another sparring partner, as well as Land. Oh,
3: oh, this, this is like the opening salvo in the welling Colling wars as well.
2: Oh, I tell you. I hope <laughs> Landstrom's listening. He better load up the cannon for this one. <laughs> oh, rubs hands with glee. Uh Dan, uh, tell us where people can find you in the big wide world. And indeed, a bit of news is what you've been doing behind the scenes that people need to watch out for over the coming weeks.
3: Yeah, so you can listen to thoughts of myself on the rider wrestling industry on our patreon page wrestling 20 years ago podcast is on patreon for five bucks a month you'll get access to exclusive bonus content from all of the uh, regular contributors of the team i'm on there talking nxt um WrestleMania's, um loads of other good stuff and there's a great bonus content that you can get access to if you enjoy our long lengthy discussions like the show uh i'm also desperately trying to get the website back on track a uh, long-time listeners of the show that used to know that we had a website that had those written content on there on you know big angles feuds Did, does it hold up in real time uh discontinued after our good leader left in 1988 but i am trying to get that back on track as fast as i can so stay tuned and we'll let you guys know when we're going to have some content up for you regarding 1998 because we've got nothing on there for 1998 and of course 1999 in current timeline mode 2.
2: Good work. Now, Bob,
0: your turn. <laughs> yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Yo Bobby boy 89 I also have a podcast with Austin Skinner covering the WWF starting with the first Raw. We've made it to uh, after WrestleMania 10, so we're heading into the new generation. Uh, Hold your applause right. on that one, for the love of God. Jesus Christ, guys.
2: Way to hype it, it up. up. Go get him, champ.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's ICOPOD, C O C I. Wow, I can't spell. That's how tired I am right now, Rory. This is your fault. Let's ICOPOD. It's there we go. I- ICOPOD. You can find it on all your podcast outlets or however you want to do it. And then Wrestling, uh, recaps.com That's where I got all the articles, written reviews, and stuff like that. I've never written a review for Backlash 99 because I'm not a fool. So. <laughs> Somebody else did that for me and
2: you can read it at RustlinRecaps.com. I wish I'd thought of that before. Uh, just just a quick note on Icopod as we record this. Uh, the latest show you I heard of yours was from late February '94. I should say everybody, check that one out if you also want 15 minutes of Bob talking about his favorite cheese dip snacks as well. Yeah. That that was <laughs> that was quite the tangent you were talking about there. Yeah,
0: there's uh there's a lot of stuff that I just randomly go off on. Uh actually both Austin and I we in the beginning usually we'll talk about nonsense for about 20 minutes. And uh yeah, that was an instance where we were talking about snacks and cheese that are really good. So
2: I have no shame. <laughs> I figured that a must-must listen. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this show today. I have had an absolute blast, and I hope, dear listener, you have had one too. By all means check us out on Facebook, or you can do what Alicia Nicole Webb, the former Ryan Shamrock, did, and follow us on Twitter in which you will get to interact with me. and You you can give us your thoughts on Backlash 1999, and I can weigh them up against Bobs and, yeah, all the rest of it. Oh, my goodness (laughs) me, this show has nearly finished me off. So I'm going to finish off now, signing off, Rory McNamara, with just a reminder of the other two shows for you this month. Volume 2, WCW, looking at Spring Stampede and 5 Million World Title Changes. Volume 3, ECW, as they build towards their hardcore heaven pay-per-view. I have been Rory McNamara. He is Dan Welling. He is the ever cheerful Bob Colling. Woohoo! <laughs> and until next time, beware, take care.
3: Because the freaks come out at
5: night. Oh, my God. If I were to ask you what your philosophy of life or your creed, what would that be? Have a good
1: time all the time. That's my philosophy, Marty.